You're listening to Thunder Quack Podcast Network. There has been an awakening. Have you felt it? You are listening to Star Wars The Saga Continues. Your hosts, Kyle Avery and Tim Jirasi, are scouring the holonet for news and bringing you all of the latest updates on the future of the Star Wars universe. And the future is bright indeed, so we invite you to join us on this exciting journey as the saga continues. Always in motion is the future. This is just the beginning. You'll find out full of surprises. Not over yet. No, there is another. Chewie, we're home. Hey there, Star Wars fans, and welcome to a brand new episode of Star Wars The Saga Continues, your podcast for all the latest news and rumors regarding uh, Star Wars Episode Nine, uh, Solo, A Star Wars Story, and all the other cool and exciting projects coming up in the Star Wars universe. As always, I'm your host, Kyle, and I've got my co-host, Tim, with me. How's it going, Tim? Hey, what's up, Kyle? Doing good. We're now just a few days away from The Last Jedi Blu-ray release. I know on our last episode, which was last week, was saying how long the week (laughs) that was going to be and how long this current week was. And now we're just days away, not weeks away. So doing good, but recording this episode should make the time even go by even quicker till we get it. So should be a fun one. Yeah, definitely. I'm chomping at the bit to get to watch that movie again. Um, Also, we are still just coming off the heels of the series finale of Star Wars Rebels, which we are going to talk about a lot more today on this episode, not just the finale, but the series as a whole. Um, And so to get an extra perspective on things, we thought we would bring in a uh, a third guest host for this episode. Um, And it's someone you guys are familiar with we've had him on the show a time or two before but everybody welcome mr paul herman back to the saga continues oh yeah i'm back (laughs) yeah like rocket raccoon right there (laughs) (laughs) yeah and you know what we actually have a bit of an announcement for you guys um paul is going to be joining us a bit more frequently as sort of a uh I guess kind of a rotating third guest host on the show yeah. um, as we're, we're really going to try to uh, just get a little bit more regular and more consistent with our content for you guys. Um, I mean, our, our schedule that we've kind of tried to stick to is doing like an episode every other week. Um, and especially lately, I mean, stuff's just been crazy busy. And I think this year we've only been putting out like one episode per month so far. Um, but we recorded last week, we're back this week and we're going to be recording again next week to talk about the last Jedi Blu-ray. Um, but then going forward, at least for the time being, and we'll see how well this goes. Um, we're going to try to bring Paul in, um, maybe once a month or so. I mean, we're thinking kind of the general formula is maybe we'll do like two episodes a month and have one be, uh, just me and Tim doing our regular thing. And then, um, for the other episode we might have paul come in and join both of us or if uh, one of us gets busy especially me because i'm getting married in a couple months so um you know if i can't make it here we'll have paul come in and fill in 
Um, or like I said, we might just have the three of us having one big party like we are tonight. So, um, which are the best. Yeah, definitely looking forward to, uh, talking rebels with you guys and getting some, uh, you know, some of your different perspectives on the series. Um, we're going to be talking about our favorite episodes and then we'll, uh, kind of talk a little bit about just sort of a general overview of our thoughts of the series, looking back on it now. Um, but before we jump into that, uh, let's talk about one thing real quick that is very near and dear to all of our hearts, and that is Star Wars Battlefront 2, which recently just had a massive update, um, basically overhauling the, the entire progression system that was like one of people's main criticisms with the game since it came out. Um, and they have finally reworked that so that now you gain experience for your characters by playing them and not by randomly unlocking star cards for them through loot crates. The loot crates are completely gone. Um, and oh, they are, see, I didn't know that. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Loot crates are gone. Um, no, they're not. They're, you still get them on uh, every day to get credits. Well, yeah. Okay. So you get your login crate every day, but you can't buy like trooper crates and starfighter crates and stuff like you used to. Um, and every time you earn enough experience to like level up one of your units, you get a skill point that you can spend to either unlock a star card or upgrade a star card specifically for that unit. Um, so it's much more sort of linear in terms of, um, you know, you play a class, you get experience with the class, you upgrade the class and you can get good with the classes that you like and want to spend time with. And it's not just like play a bunch, get a bunch of credits, open a bunch of crates and then get upgrades and uh and experience for the characters that you happen to unlock cards for through these random crates so i like the system a lot better i feel like this is what it should have been from the get-go um and then uh next month i think they're adding another update where they're adding a lot of customization options finally so they're gonna be um you know different clone trooper skins uh alien heads for your rebels and resistance fighters and all that sort of thing um, and they're going to be reintroducing microtransactions to the game where you'll be able to buy. I'm not sure if you can buy appearances or if they're actually adding crates that you can buy that will just contain like cosmetic items like that. Um, but regardless, when the microtransactions do come back, it won't be anything that's going to let you spend real money to like gain an advantage in the game and get more, you know, like better star cards than somebody else. Um, it's going to be strictly just that appearance based stuff. And you can also buy those um, with credits that you earn in the game as well. I'm guessing they'll probably be pretty pricey because um, obviously they kind of want to make it so that people can spend money and get it faster because they want people to spend money. Um but, you know, I mean, I'm totally fine with that. Um, that's not something that's going to, like, affect the actual gameplay. And you won't feel like people are wrecking you because they spent more money than you could afford to level up faster than you. So um, I'm, I'm excited to see all that when that comes out next month. I'm very happy with what they've done with the progression system right now. And I'm excited for us to finally be able to put all this behind us and get on to developing some actual new content and get Anakin <laughs> and Obi-Wan and General Grievous in the game already. <laughs> I was hoping that announcement would have been not too long after they revealed the details for the new progressive system. Like, okay, we got that out of the way. Now here's the next season <laughs> that's coming, but still waiting on that. But like you said, I mean, I haven't played it yet. It's been a while since I logged on Battlefront 2, but it all sounds really good. And like you said, how probably should have been the way they went from the get-go with leveling up your characters. Because it just seems so basic and streamlined and simple, which it should be, instead of relying on getting star cards and loot crates and all that and having it be random. So 
definitely you know glad it's here now but should have been there from the get-go so once i get back on battlefront 2 login i'm sure it'll be a lot more a little bit better experience as far as leveling up your character and progressing and unlocking making my character stronger because when i play i need it to be as strong as it can get (laughs) (laughs) so uh it's funny because i I want the audience know that when i play battlefront uh video game i listen to star wars podcast and I listened to the saga continues because you guys are my homies. And uh, <laughs> it's so funny because I almost got lost and forgot that I was on the show with you guys for a second. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, oh, yeah, I'm actually I'm recording right now. Sorry. Are I got playing Battlefront 2. Right? No, 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 I'm, play- I'm, I'm, I'm watching Last Jedi on mute. So, <laughs> so no, no. Um, but as far as the new progression system, uh, I I played a, a, a decent amount um, since it came got changed, and to be honest, um, I definitely like what they've done. Uh, it's a, it's really sad that they 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 didn't figure this out before all this, you know. But um, you know, I, I was already maxed out at that point when they when they before they changed it. Like everything was maxed out as far as like the classes that I like to use, which is assault and the, the enforcer, you know, an aerial, all that stuff. Like that was all maxed out, and now it seems like I now have I have more goals now, which is really cool to kind of level them up. You know, and my only thing is right now is, you know, I want I want to have a reason to, to level them up. I mean, just playing because I love Star Wars and being in that world is enough to a, to an extent. But I'd like to have a reason to have them leveled up, like meaning like they have some kind of mode that or, you know, multiplayer that that, that having a higher rank, you know, can help you. And besides just a little advantage, like have something, you know, a game mode that's going to, you know, help that for whatever reason, whether it be AI in the game mode with multiplayer or whatever, right? Like I want something that's going to give me like something to like shoot for, you know? And so, and, and today I, I was listening to uh, Star Wars HQ and they talked about how the developers were developing like a brand new, um, you know, system or not system, but a whole new game mode that's like totally like brand new and not even anything we're we're used to or something like right. that. That was, and I'm not sure if that was, uh, if you guys saw that or not. But you know, and that's the kind of thing that excites me about this new game mode or the, the new, uh, the whole new system is progression system is that what does it mean for future content for us? Does it mean we'll get a lot of different um, or more different uh, modes? Will they affect the modes a little bit differently? Because I mean, I think, I think a new progression system is all fine and good, but for people like me who love to play, I want more reasons to play for, you know, the, the way I like to play, which is I'm good at what I'm good at or okay when I'm, I'm okay at. I'm not great, but um, you know, like the assault class and all that stuff. And I want to have a reason to like keep leveling them up. Give me a reason, you know, and that's what I'm waiting for. And and don't get me wrong, I love this game, and and I love this game because I love Star Wars, and I love this game because I have people like you, my homies, that I can play with. So it's just kind of like one of those things where I want I want more of the game. I I think the game's been good. I think it's got a bad rap. I think it looks great, but I definitely want some more reasons for this progression system. Let's have. Let's let's give it more reason to have it there in the first place. Because if they're not going to do anything with the progression system, then it's like why even modify it at all at that point? Because you know what I mean. I mean, I know they want to salvage what they have, but you, you get what I'm saying. Like, I, I want to have a reason. I'm, yeah, I'm just hearing like a whole lot of Anakin Skywalker right now. I want more, <laughs> and I know I shouldn't. <laughs> <laughs> 
<laughs> no, but well, here's the thing. I, I definitely get what you're saying because obviously a lot of people who play who've already put a lot of time into the game have unlocked a lot of the stuff already that you know is now easier to unlock through the new progression system. Um, one thing, I mean, I don't think that they're gonna. I don't think it'll be so tied into like future game modes that just your rank alone will give you an advantage because obviously like really the whole point of leveling up is to gain, to upgrade your star cards and get more experience and stuff. And it's just going to be the star cards and the upgrades and your own skill as a player um, that, um, you know, gives you the advantage. And then the rank is kind of indicative of that. But I do think they mentioned too, at some point, I mean, I maybe saw this in an interview or a YouTube video or something, but um, I mean, I think it's just safe to assume, like, when they start adding new maps and new heroes and all that kind of new content in future seasons, they'll probably add some new star cards at some point, too. Um, and I'm assuming, you know, those are probably going to be, um, you know, would be added at, like, the upper tier that you would have to, you know, be a higher level class to unlock. Um, and so I'm sure there's probably going to be some, con you know, some new star cards, at least, um, for the higher level players to to unlock a new content like that coming at some point down the line. Um, but yeah, I mean, hopefully we'll get an announcement about season two pretty soon. Unfortunately at this point, since we know there's already another big update coming next month and they haven't said anything about it being like a new season or anything. I mean, the next season is probably going to revolve around the Han Solo movie. Um, and I don't know how much new content we can really expect from that. Cause it's not like, um, you know, there's going to be a whole lot of new heroes or anything. We might get a new map and I'm sure we'll probably get like new skins for Han and Lando and probably just a lot of like challenges and events and stuff related to the movie. Um, so that means hopefully probably like around midsummer, we can maybe finally expect to start seeing some new Clone Wars content and some new game modes and stuff like that. Um, one thing I did like about this update is they brought back Jetpack Cargo and they brought back the Bespin Administrator's Palace map from Battlefront 1 um, that you can play Blast and uh, Heroes vs. Villains and Jetpack Cargo on. Um, and I was actually online yesterday playing that with my dad and my sister. We were playing Jetpack Cargo on Bespin and that was insanity. Um, and we were having a whole lot of fun with that. So, I mean, it's nice that in the meantime, you know, even though we haven't gotten like a big new Clone Wars season or something like that, that we've been hoping for, um, they at least, you know, keep small amounts of new content coming along with progression system updates and stuff like that. I mean, as long as they keep sprinkling in new maps and new modes and stuff like that, um, to keep us entertained, I think that'll be good. Yeah. yeah to go, to oh, go back to what you're saying, Paul, about the new modes and having a reason, for the progression, if I understand you right, you're talking about like a new mode that would require more of a strategic team. Exactly. Play. Yes. Yeah, where someone would have to be a medic or like the assault and like the mm -hmm. scout and all that type of stuff. And mm -hmm. I could totally see them doing that if what you're saying about, you know, them doing a brand new mode that we have no idea what it's going to be and something brand new. I could think that could be, you know, a pretty good reason to incorporate that where it is vital to where your team has to utilize all the different classes that are available. Yeah, exactly. And, and the other thing too is uh, you brought, you know, Kyle brought up um, the Besbin uh, administrator's palace and it's a bummer because why couldn't that be in strike? That's, uh, to me, that is like tailor made for strike, you know, like I think they might add strike to it eventually. You think we'll so? See. I don't well, know. I mean, it depends. You have to kind of, 
I don't know. I mean, obviously that map wasn't made with strike in mind. They lifted it right out of Battlefront 1. But if they can figure out some kind of way to implement like those strike objectives, um, I, I could see that working out. But um, I don't know. I, I think that's definitely a possibility of something we could get added in the future. Um, but even if not, I mean, it's kind of a bummer that we don't have that. But I've been enjoying just playing on there with the modes we do have. Right. Um, but anyway, so, you know, if, uh, for those of you out there that have played Battlefront 2, maybe you got it and weren't thrilled about it because you didn't like the progression system or something like that, um, definitely worth checking out again and giving it a second look, um, or maybe if you were holding off on buying it because you heard some, you know, bad things about it when it first came out, I would highly recommend checking it out now. I think it's going to be really good for new players, especially because you won't have to go through all the frustrating stuff that we all had to endure um, you know, the first time around when the game first came out. I still love it, by the way. I mean, you know, we talk smack about the loot crates and all that kind of stuff, but um, it's still worth it when you're flying through the skies of Camino in an ARC-170. I don't care what anybody says. <laughs> that is true, yes. <laughs> um, so moving on from Battlefront, just one other th quick thing we wanted to mention. Um, there are some new episodes of Star Wars Forces of Destiny that just got released recently. Um, and Tim, you said you got to check these out already, right? Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I haven't personally watched them. I don't know. Paul, did you, uh, check these out either? I have actually. Okay. Well, I'll let you guys talk about that a little bit then if you want. Like I said, I have not gotten around to it yet. Um, but there are eight new episodes out now on, um, the Disney YouTube page. So, um, I don't know. Okay. How'd you guys feel about the, uh, this new batch? Yeah. So for me, there is, like I said, there's eight of them, but when they announced when they, they were going to air and they had the episode descriptions, there was two that I was really excited for to see. And those were the two that were ended up being my favorite out of this batch of eight. And one of them had to do, it was called a uh, bounty hunted. And the other one, that one had to do with uh, Leia and Chewie. We got to find out how she gets her Boosh costume in return of the Jedi to infiltrate Jabba's palace. And what had me excited about it is in the preview images, they showed that Maz Kanata was going to be involved with her getting that costume. So I was intrigued by that. And when I saw it, it was really cool, but it didn't play out the way I thought because I was going into it. I was thinking, okay, you know, Maz Kanata has their castle, a bunch of, you know, bounty hunters, pirates, scoundrels all hang out there. Maybe she got that costume like a long time ago and it's just been sitting there. She's going to give that to Leia. But it turns out uh, Chewie and Leia were meeting Maz to, you know, get help to try to rescue Han, but they were attacked by the bounty hunter Bush. And when the way Leia got the costume was that they defeated him in battle and they took the costume and right then and there, that's how Leia had it. So it was cool that we got to see a fight between Leia and the bounty hunter. And that's how she got the costume. But I thought it was going to play out a little differently, but I thought it was still enjoyable. But the one that was really, really cool was the one that had to deal with, you know, Luke Skywalker training on Yoda and on Dagobah. And Mark Hamill repraising his role as Luke Skywalker doing the voice. I mean, of course, it's a no-brainer to get Mark Hamill to voice Luke in anything animated and being a prolific voice actor. But there was just something really, really cool about hearing him play Empire Luke again. It was just, it didn't, of course, sound exactly like he did during the time filmed <laughs> Empire Strikes Back. But regardless, I didn't care about that. It was Mark Hamill playing Luke from Empire Strikes Back. And it was awesome. And just, you know, seeing Luke... A new aspect to his training that he received on Dagobah from Yoda was just really cool to see. It was pretty much like a prelude to the moment in Empire where we see 
Luke running on the trees with Yoda in that backpack he has. We kind of see the beginning of that, and it was it was cool. I really enjoyed it. So those two were the standouts for me. Then we also had other ones that uh, dealt with Ray, Jin, uh, Finn and Rose, and Anakin, Padme, and Ahsoka. And those ones, and also Hera and Sabine. Those were, you know, they were okay. But to me, nothing really stood out to me like those other two did. So the, those were the ones that, if you're going to only get to check out a few, those would be the two I'd recommend. But again. They're all so short, so anybody's on to check out all of yeah. them. It's, it, I kind of forgot what some of them were, um, but at the same time, I, I did. I liked the same ones you did, except I, I, I'm not a Maz Kanata fan. I've, I haven't been since The Force Awakens. Um, the Last Jedi only made that worse, and... <laughs> um, and I have to say, like, I was pretty disappointed because I, with that, that I, I liked the cartoon. Is this make, tell me if this makes sense? I like the cartoon, but I don't know. I, I do also don't like it because of how Maz is involved in it. But I love like knowing how Leia got her Bausch armor um, and whatever. Like that was really cool. But like, mm-hmm. the fact that it's it's you know Maz like, facilitating that thing, I'm just like. Yeah, you know, what ended up she didn't really matter too much as far as exactly her getting that costume, which I thought she would play a bigger role in that. But it was still kind of cool to, see, you know, go back to see her relationship with Han and Chewie. And this was Maz's first meeting with Leia. Yeah. And, you know, I, so I did like that, knowing that it's establishing more of the relationship that Han and Chewie had with her in the past. Yeah, no, and that's a good point. And, and I want people to know the reason why I'm, I'm sick, I was a little bummed out by it is mainly because the Bausch um, armor is some of my favorite designs in all of Star Wars. I think it's a fantastic yeah, cool. looking, um, you know, costume. And I have like the Black Series figure of it. I think it's just a beautiful, beautiful uh, looking thing. And, um, you know, I just yeah, I just love love that armor and so i kind of like i kind of wanted to have a little more of a meaty story of of the bausch uh character and having that in a forces of destiny cartoon which again i like the forces of destiny cartoon i think they're great but i just wanted a, a, something a little bit more meaty with that story but mm. at the same time it was cool seeing it in cartoon and it was unfortunate that maz Kanata was involved but for me <laughs> but 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 like you said tim i'm 100 with you luke skywalker episode was phenomenal i thought it was beautiful yes it was noticeable that mark did not sound uh or he didn't have the higher pitch voice as he did when he was you know in his mid-20s and then he's in his like 50s and he kind of it's it was a little funny but at the same time it was really cool kind of seeing the prelude to him swinging on the branches so um you know i i like i love these little cartoons they're great i actually really like the forces of destiny brand um i buy all the comic books um you know, there's some, one. I forgot the name of the artist, but she did the first Laic issue, and she's phenomenal. I love her style, super stylized, but I love it. I think it's perfect um, for Star Wars, for like more of a car, you know, little not for kids, but a lot more of a cartoony stylized uh, thing. You know, comic books are all cartoons, but irregardless. Um, and I know that's a word, but anyway, or it's not a word, but whatever. Um, I digress. So, but yeah, it's uh, I think I, I love these cartoons. I think they're great, and so. I wanted the brand to keep going, and I like the fact that we're, we're getting all characters. I, I suggested on Twitter last week, I want an episode of uh, Kylo Ren and Rey having an adventure on the way to the elevator. 
to go up the Snoke <laughs> <Yeah. Sorry>. <laughs> uh, throne room because they, they like they get stuck with like a trash compactor or something. I mean, you can make. I mean, come on, they've, they've, they've done all kinds of weird stuff with these characters and in a short you know in short periods of time. You know, I figure why not do that for for this one? So we'll see. But yeah, I, I love the cartoons, but those are my favorite two, Tim. Yeah, well, I will probably have to at least go check out those two now. Um, but uh, yeah, it's good to hear you guys enjoyed those. Uh, Tim's or Paul's grudge against Moz, notwithstanding. Um, but uh, yeah, for those of you guys out there who maybe enjoyed the first batch of Star Wars Forces of Destiny episodes, or uh, you know, even if you're just interested in checking them out, if you haven't seen any yet, um, definitely give these a look. Um, and now let's get to the main thing we're all here for and talk about some Star Wars Rebels. Um, man, and like I said, I think we'll we'll just kind of start talking about our favorite episodes because there's so many different points we could hit um, talking about the series in general and uh, just kind of looking back on it now that it's wrapped up and we'll kind of at the end maybe talk about kind of the lasting impact of it or maybe hit on any specific favorite moments or things that we liked about the series that we didn't get to uh, talk about through our favorite episodes. But basically the way we're going to break this down is we've each come up with our our list of top five favorite Rebels episodes and then one honorable mention. Um, And so we'll all just kind of go around in a circle. We'll do, well, not in a circle. I mean, we're not sitting in a circle. I don't know why this would (laughs) be We might as well be. But, um, you know, we'll, we'll all do our honorable mention and then we'll all do our number five, our four, and so on. Um... So, uh, I'll go ahead and start, um, and then, you know, we'll, we'll, I'll just talk about our honorable mentions here, um, and I have to say, the reason I picked this episode as my honorable mention is season four just wrapped up. I would have to say, I think as a whole, season four is probably my favorite season of Rebels, but I feel like I'm still kind of processing it. Um, I've pretty much only watched each episode once, so I haven't really been able to go back and identify, like, which episodes were my favorite, especially because, unlike the previous seasons where they were all kind of scattered and, you know, some of them kind of told their own separate stories, I mean, season four really felt like one coherent story, aside from, like, a couple, um smaller story arcs at the beginning. I mean, you had like the two-part Mandalorian arc and then the two-part arc with like Saw Gerrera. And then from then on, it's really about them liberating Lothal. Um, and so it was, you know, kind of hard for me to I, pick like just one favorite episode um, from that season. Um, but I rewatched one today that I remember really sticking out to me the first time. And I thought this would be a good one to pick for my honorable mention, just to kind of represent season four as a whole, because the rest of my top five list, honestly, is going to be stuff from seasons one through three. Um, and just some of the highlights from that, but to, to represent season four as a whole, I picked the episode kindred, which is, um, basically the first, not the first introduction to the loath wolves. Cause that was the episode before that in flight of the defender, um, when the Loth Wolf helps Ezra and Sabine escape from the Empire after they like, crash the TIE Defender. Um, uh-huh. But this is the first episode where you really kind of start to realize what these guys are about. And it also really starts setting up sort of the uh, the more mythological side of the, uh, the story arc for the rest of the season. Um, it even starts with Kanan and uh, Ezra, or Kanan and Hera talking about 
um, just sort of their connection to Lothal and Kanan is kind of reflecting on the fact that they keep coming back there and that even before they had met Ezra, they were on this planet a lot and talking about its connection to the Force and how he's starting to feel like maybe they have a bigger purpose here than just stopping the Empire and Thrawn's tie defenders and all that kind of stuff. Um, and then kind of the first half of the episode is... Um, almost kind of just typical rebel stuff where they're fighting the Empire and they're trying to go back and recover like the crashed uh, TIE Defenders like engine. I think it's like it's transponder beacon and it's hi uh, hyperdrive engine. And they're trying to keep those, uh, you know, safe from the Empire and get them back to the rebel base. Um, but then the Empire gets them cornered. And this is also the first episode that Ruch is introduced in. Um, and, you know, him and Governor Price get them cornered at their little camp. And then the Loaf Wolves... Uh, help them get away and this is the first time you see them kind of like you know they go into a cave and then they just start looks like they're like running through hyperspace um and you know they try end up traveling like halfway across the planet and find a new secret base and i just remember watching that for the first time and i was like all right dave filoni i'm hooked i don't know what you've got in store for the end of this season or what the deal is with these like mystical force wolf things but I am totally on board with this. It was just so intriguing and so cool and so different and weird, but like fitting, you know, yep. like this totally felt like something that was um, like nothing we had ever seen before in Star Wars, but it wasn't like, eh, I don't know if this feels like Star Wars or, you know, it didn't feel too outlandish. It was like, okay, a new creature with a new aspect of the force. Like it was, I don't know. It, it just worked. It worked really well, and it was just sort of the first building block, I felt like, of um, some really fascinating stuff to come from the rest of the season with, um, of course, a world between worlds and all that kind of stuff. Um, and even, you know, with uh, with Kanan's ultimate fate and how that was kind of tied into the, wolf, the Loth Wolves leading him to his destiny and how they keep showing up and saying, Doom! And, um, you know, this was the episode where he reveals to Ezra, like, that was my name. Um, back when I was a Jedi, I was Caleb Doom, and so obviously there's a strong connection uh, between him and the wolves, and, you know, we don't really know what that is from this first episode, but I thought this was a good honorable mention one to just kind of get us started on that path and represent um, just the beginning of all that really cool stuff that happened over the course of season four. Yeah, I think for Loth Wolves, man, for me anyway, I'm sure you guys would be, that they got to be one of the coolest additions to the Star Wars mythos that Rebels has brought to it. <laughs> for the reasons you said, Kyle, and what we saw later on in the season, I just love them so much. And <laughs> just glad they're part of the Star Wars uh, universe now. They're just so, so cool, like you said. Yeah, I think they're probably my favorite creatures in Star Wars. Yeah, I might agree with that. <laughs> I mean, just... Again, I, I'm still kind of digesting season four, but, I mean, I love the creatures of Star Wars just from the sense that you know, there's so many classic ones like the Wampa and the Rancor and stuff like that, but I don't think there have been any that are so essential to the story and so intriguing as the Loth Wolves have been in this season of Rebels. Um, Let's be frank, too. Just darn cool looking, too. Yeah. Oh, yeah. They're darn <laughs> I, I, I cool love, I love them, too. The, the musical too, theme though. that accompanies them every time they show up is is really cool. And, yeah, I've just never felt that connected to to any of the other creatures i mean a lot of times it's like oh that's a cool animal over there or, oh that's a cool thing that obi-wan's riding on or whatever but um i've never really felt that invested in like what is the deal with these guys what is going on here and how are these things connected to the story um so yeah i'm gonna say Loth wolves best animals in star wars yeah, yeah. uh 
I, uh, you know, I, I like that episode. It would not even sniff my top 10, but that's fine. Yeah. Well, <laughs> and again, it's for the purpose of honorable mentions. It's not that that episode itself was the best. It's that I had a hard time picking just one episode from season four and I wanted to pick one to just sort of represent oh. the season as a whole. So that's why I left this as my honorable mention. You just tipped your hand of your, of your list, Kyle. It did I? I tipped my hand at the beginning. I said everything else oh. was not from season oh, four. Oh, okay, okay, okay. I, I must have missed that. My bad. Um, well, anyway, so Paul, what, what's your uh, honorable mention? Well, my honorable mention, which I this one is weird. I kind of I what I did was I went through all the seasons on Wikipedia, make sure I didn't forget anything because I knew I would, and I did. I almost did a couple times. You know, just going off the top of my head, I, I totally missed a bunch of stuff. But one episode stuck out to me. And if you would have told me, you know, if you would have asked me about it, like, you know, I wouldn't think of the episode by name. But when I think about the episode, like when I'm reflecting on Rebels, this episode comes up as like one that like surprises me of how good it is and how how much I love it. And I rewatch it quite a bit. Um, it didn't crack my top five or the top five was really tough for me because when I pick like a top five, I think of just what I think is not only the best, but what's my emotional connection with some of these episodes. And that sometimes will trump like a good technical, like, you know, action scene or, or whatever. I'll just love, you know, love it because of the emotional connection I have with it, you know, or the show or whatever. So, um, that being said, my honorable mention is shroud of darkness. Um, mm-hmm. Uh, that is, uh, and that's the episode where Ahsoka, Kanan, and Ezra go to the Jedi Temple on Lothal, Lothal, excuse me, and um, they all kind of go their separate ways. And then uh, uh, Ezra uh, is is gets the Malachor from Yoda. Uh, Ahsoka finds out that Anakin is Darth Vader, and then basically that somehow through the Force, uh, Anakin or uh, Kanan is knighted as a Jedi through as from J- from Yoda through the Grand Inquisitor. It's really confusing, but basically Dave Filoni confirmed that. <laughs> but still makes sense. <laughs> well, I, it does. It, well, it does, especially now, right? I mean, yeah. <laughs> so with, with, with the, you know, with the world between worlds and all that jazz. Um, but yeah, but that being said, it, I think it's a fantastic episode. There's like, there's action in it, but it's, you know, really, really cool, like emotional depth, you know, with, you know, with the, the Imperial, with the Royal or the Royal guard, but the Jedi guard who's, you know, talking to Kanan about his apprentice, basically trying to teach him how, you know, you just kind of defend your, you know, your apprentice and be there for Ezra that he has, there is the dark side in him. And, you know, sometimes you have to give yourself fully to the force. That's definitely in the episode. So, um, yeah, it's a great episode. I, I kind of forgot about it. And it's one of those things where I was like, man, this episode's really good. And it almost crapped, uh, crap, cracked the, uh, <laughs> I did not craft anything. Uh, it almost cracked the top five for me. It almost did. It was really close. And so, but yeah, it's a great episode. Well, I won't say too much on it right now because I'll be talking about it later. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's one of those ones that I want to go back and rewatch. I definitely remember that one being good. Um, yeah, I'm. I'm. Well, I'm glad we're not all having the same list here because um, I mean, I know you guys both have Rebels on Blu-ray. You've probably watched it, rewatched it more times than I have. Um, so. 
yeah, I I mean, there's definitely a lot of stuff from like the earlier seasons that is not as fresh in my mind. But um, yeah, I definitely remember that one being a good one. Um, that whole thing of like bringing the Inquisitor back to kind of be the one to officially knight Kanan. Obviously, Ezra talking to Yoda was really cool. And as a big fan of like the old Republic era, just hearing Yoda say the name Malachor, I freaked out. <laughs> um and then, of course, the Vader Ahsoka stuff, I'm sure we'll all have more to say on that later. So I will just leave that for the time being. But good stuff. Yeah, so for me, my honorable mention, I'm going to also go with the season two episode, but it's one that was pretty early on. And this is going to be Stealth Strike. Now, I couldn't have a list of my favorite episodes and at least for an honorable mention, not include one that deals with Rex or the clones because, man... When they announced that Rex was coming back, uh, it was awesome to know that they were going to be seeing more clones in Rebels, and especially at this point in their lives, being older and removed from the Clone Wars. So I was just chomping at the bit. This another one of the big reasons to be excited for season two when we were first learning about it. And you know, I really enjoyed their debut episodes at the start of season two, but this one I just really liked because, um, as we know, Kanan and Rex didn't get along in those early episodes and you know understandably so for Kanan not trusting Rex or Wolf or Gregor because of Order 66 and this is the episode where you know Kanan really learned to really learn to trust Rex and you know accept them as part of the team but I also just really liked it on from Rex's standpoint and just him being in the Stormtrooper costume is just it was funny but also you know comparing it to how it was during his day during the Clone Wars. I just love how he was just knocking on <laughs> the Stormtrooper armor, you know, calling it junk armor and how he can't see in the helmet. And that's why, you know, a lot of Stormtroopers have a hard time <laughs> hitting their targets. One of my favorite moments of that episode is him taking off the helmet once Kanan and when Kanan's kind of giving him uh, some beef about it. He just throws the helmet at the troopers, then he starts blasting them, no problem. So there's some, you know, cool comedic stuff in there uh, for me as a big clone fan. And then, you know, just how much more I prefer clone troopers to any type of stormtroopers in the Empire and in the First Order. So it just, you know, elevated them to that high class of soldier that we all know they are. Rex was showing it in this episode. So that was cool. But, you know, the main thing was just building that relationship that was, you know, didn't start off good between Kanan and Rex and to kind of finally see a cultivate here at the end where they trust each other by the end and we see it throughout the rest of the series. So I thought that was one of the better episodes that dealt with Rex. Uh, throughout the series and made for one of my favorites of season two so didn't quite crap my top five but i had to get a, something that dealt with the clones in there <laughs> a little bit but yeah which is not surprising um but yeah, yeah no kidding <laughs> no that was definitely a good one though um and i mean i pretty much agree with what you said i mean <clears throat> it was really cool to see kanan and rex kind of finally bury the hatchet and um you know, because obviously there was a lot of mistrust, especially on Kanan's part, um, with him being a Jedi who had survived Order 66 and seen the clones betray his master. Um, and really uh, him and Rex learning to work together and be like, hey, look, we're on the same side. I didn't want to do that. You know, I didn't kill any Jedi during Order 66. And um, for them to finally, you know, trust each other and work together and just have those cool action scenes and those comedic moments in there, too, was really good. Yeah, it's uh, I, I, I like that episode. And that was a solid episode myself. Yeah. All right. Well, are we ready to officially move into our top fives? Ah, uh, yeah. All let's right. Do well, it. Let's let's switch it up a bit. Uh, Paul, we'll let you go first with pick number five. Oh. All right. So pick number five 
you know, I think we had talked about this on uh, when we were on Xbox playing Battlefront, which, by the way, if people don't know, we all three of us play, you know, Xbox Battlefront. We used to play a little more frequently when we were when we were less busy. <clears throat> Kyle being not uh, getting engaged, but whatever. what are you talking about? Uh, <laughs> I play way more than Tim does. Yeah, I was gonna say true. I'm the one who's kind right. of flaking out more lately. <laughs> I just I just want to give Kyle a hard time for getting married soon. Um, so no, but um, but that's kind of where we all, the three of us anyway, had kind of bonded together was through that. But the other day we were, I think I don't know if it was if we were all three of us talking on Battlefront or or what, but we were talking about this kind of very subject you know about our top five episodes um or i think it was that yeah, whatever it doesn't matter anyway so um we had talked about and i remember I brought this up to you guys and you guys were like eh. and i was a little a little bummed out about it because i felt like i was a more in the you know the common this is more common for people or star wars fans than, than uh that, but I guess, I guess maybe not, um, at least for the YouTube, anyway, YouTube characters. Um, my, all that build up for, for, for all this is basically Spark of the Rebellion. Um, mm. and, yeah. <laughs> and, Reaction's probably still the same. <laughs> yeah, 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 I know, I know, you, two, you guys suck. Um, <laughs> now, now, I want to say for the reason why, and this, and the, what I said earlier was, you know, sometimes the emotional connections of things can, like, can kind of trump, like, uh, the technicality that maybe the animation won't be as good as other other things and and whatever. I know you have a very particular reason why you guys don't like this episode, which I'll talk about in a second. Um, but at the same time, I think Spark of the Rebellion is my in my is like in my top five because I think it does a great. I love the introduction to all the characters, and I'm not talking about those those fun little you know two minute little things. Mm-hmm. I'm talking about you know the full on movie. Where you, you you see like Ezra see the the crew the ghost crew in action, and I love the the, the you know speeder bike chase like it's just a lot of fun and I just I don't know I just I really connected with that that episode and it has one of my favorite newer Star Wars moments in the last I'd say like ten years and that's when Kanan you know tells Ezra. You know, kid, I'm I'm about to let everyone in on the secret, and he gets his lightsaber out. I know it's ridiculous that everyone just stops firing at him and lets him do his little twirl, but you know it doesn't matter because it's awesome, and I love. I actually buy that. I mean, they're shocked to see a Jedi who you know none of them have probably seen before, so it would take him back a little bit. Yeah, Mm. and so and so the part where and even it's followed up by a great um you know voice by Callus where he says, "Focus your fire on." on the Jedi. Yeah. And it's like, yeah. It's like, yeah. I get all I get my fists all pumped up in the air. And it's so good. That one moment trumps all the awful looking Wookiees in the <laughs> in- so, I want to say for the record, I, I I understand the Wookiees don't look great, but I love, 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 love this episode. And I think that part it's mainly because of that scene in the beginning and how it kind of really set, it does a great setup for the whole series i think it's it really is i think one of the best episodes and it, like i said it introduces the whole the whole thing and i think it does a great job of doing it and so yeah i i love that episode and mainly for that one reason of that of that scene with kanan and also a side note isn't it weird that the wookies didn't show up to help them at the very end of the series yeah, I wonder why. Hmm. Yeah, I guess. <laughs> what do you mean you guess? They helped him. And they said, you know, they didn't they even mention that they owed him one or something? Yeah, well, I'm it, just thinking it's been so long since I've seen that. Like, it didn't even cross my mind in 
the series finale, but that's why I'm like, yeah, I guess they could have showed up there. Yeah. So yeah, that that's a, a little disappointing. I like the Wookiees, but I know that everyone you know ripped on how they looked, but I thought they looked cool. It looked like animated, you know, Kenner action figures. So, yeah, they looked like animated wet dogs. You know what? Anyway, <laughs> anyways, all right, I'm done. That's my that's my number five. Yeah. And you know what? I mean, that's not a bad number five to have. Like, I don't I certainly don't hate that episode Um, as much as I like to hate on the wet Wookiees. um, I mean, it it was definitely a (laughs) solid introduction for the series. It just I mean, it doesn't crack my top five just because I feel like it was a good starting point. But then they went to so many greater places from there um, and just built on it. But I think it was definitely a good starting point. Um, but anyway, Tim, why don't you uh, hit us with your number five? Yeah, so and by, I agree. It's Spark of Rebellion is not bad by any means. It was a great premiere episode for the series, but there was like so many stuff that went above it for me. So that's why I wouldn't be in my top five. But my n- number five pick is going to be from season one, though, and it's going to be Rise of the Old Masters. And this is the episode where I truly felt like the first great episode of Star Wars Rebels was Rise of the Old Masters. It was just such a really cool story concept. Before we even got to the twist, I mean, the fact that, you know, Kanan and the Ghost Crew realized that Jedi Luminara was still alive and she was being held prisoner uh, by the Empire on Stygian Prime, that she actually survived Order 66, and they're going to go rescue her? I mean, that's awesome. And you throw in the little added drama there of Kanan feeling he's not being a great teacher for Ezra, and he needs a Jedi with more experience to help hone his force abilities and to train him better than he could. And so it just added a little more to the urgency that he felt they needed to really have to get Luminara. But then you throw in what was really behind it, how it was all a setup and that the empire uses this because they showed that hollow video of stormtroopers marching Luminara to prison. She's in like a prison suit. And it was just used as, you know, bait to draw in other Jedi who might still be out there to rescue her. And it worked <laughs> to lure in Kanan and Ezra there. And it was just such a cool but yet creepy reveal of how they see her in the prison cell. She gets up. She doesn't say anything. She starts walking. And that's when you kind of started to notice that uh, it could be a hologram. And she just goes into this containment, uh, almost like a coffin. And we find out that, yeah, her bones are just sitting in there. Looks like they were, you know, kind of like in a frozen containment there. And this creepy effect of just seeing the remains of Luminara there revealing that she was dead and she has been dead for a long time and then the inquisitor makes his debut or not technically his first appearance as he was in spark of the rebellion in the tv airing of it with vader but this is you know the time where he really made himself known and we got to see him in action it was a pretty cool lightsaber fight that we got early on in the season two so all together just made for what i think a really great episode for the series and just got you excited for what's to come later on and you know what the potential of the series could be when you add in the inquisitor and more to the dynamic between Kanan and Ezra and kind of the acceptance he had to come to at the end that you know what they're kind of that's kind of stuck with him as you know him being his master because there's really uh, no one else out there at this time or who they have contact with so even though Kanan's uh, probably not you know, the best trained teacher to, you know, take on a pattern one, but it's something he has to do. So I'd love to come to that realization by the time this episode was over. So a lot of cool stuff in this one. So that's going to be my number five. Yeah, that was definitely a good one too. I think if I had to pick one 
from like early in season one to make my list. I would definitely pick that one over um, Spark of the Rebellion or even any of the other earlier episodes. I mean, I think Rise of the Old Masters for me was like the first standout episode where it was like, whoa, that was really good. Gosh, I feel just really, really dumb. I totally overlooked that episode because that's one of my favorite Rebel, Rebels episodes. <laughs> <laughs> like I totally just overlooked it. And but, you know, <laughs> it's it's a fa- it's an amazing episode. And I and I think that's why I probably went with Spark Rebellion over just I just, you know, didn't think about it because I think that episode is just, like you said, it's one of the first more standout. Like you get a lightsaber fight. You get the introduction of the you know, the Grand Inquisitor. It's a great, great episode. And I, I, I yeah, it's a great, great episode. So it's definitely top, it's in my top 10, 100 percent. So. I will definitely say that it's it's an, it's up there. One of the better Rebels episodes. Yeah. Well, and that's why I like doing these kind of roundtable discussions of top five lists and stuff is that, you know, when somebody picks one that you overlooked or that you, you know, just forgot about or it just didn't quite make your list or something, you can just jump in and piggyback off of their discussion and still get to talk about it and be like, oh, yeah, I like <laughs> that one, too. Um all right, well, my number five, I'm interested to see if this is going to make any of you guys' lists, because um, I know this one had a bit of a mixed reaction among some people, um, but I had to go with Twin Sons. Um, the long-awaited conclusion to the decades-long grudge match between Obi-Wan Kenobi and Darth Maul, um, and this one you know, didn't really have a whole lot to do with like the main storyline of the ghost crew and the rebellion and all that kind of stuff that was going on, um, at the time at the end of season three. Um, but still just to finally get closure on that storyline and to see the final showdown between Maul and Obi-Wan was just fantastic. Um, I love the way it played out. I just rewatched this again a couple nights ago just to kind of get a refresher on it. And it was like, yeah, this is because I wasn't sure if I wanted to put this on my list or not. Because um, obviously, like, I know the showdown at the end was really good, but I was like, was the episode as a whole really that good? Um, and I remember when I first watched it, I felt like it was kind of just drawn out and it's a lot of Ezra like wandering through the desert um, trying to find Obi-Wan and it's like Maul kind of showing Ezra visions and stuff to get him to come and lure Obi-Wan out. Um, but watching it again now and obviously knowing what happens, so, you know, not kind of having those expectations going in, um, of course we all hoped like going into it that it was going to be the whole episode was just going to be this epic showdown between them or something. And so I think the first time it maybe didn't quite live up to my expectations, the fact that like Obi-Wan doesn't show up till the very end almost. Um, but going back and revisiting it and just kind of taking it for what it was, I actually thought it was done pretty well. Um, I mean, it would make sense that given the connection between um, Maul and Ezra, that Maul would try to use him to lure Obi-Wan out. Um, and then, um, you know, it's it's the resolution, not just to Maul's storyline, but to this whole storyline that was introduced in season two of them going to Malachor to find this, um, you know, the secret to defeating the Sith. And they find the the holocron on malachor that then they use you know combine the sith holocron with the jedi holocron and it gives them this vision of the planet with the twin suns and then maul goes there just seeking vengeance on obi-wan but ezra goes there thinking you know maybe we'll find the secret to defeating the sith and you know all along we find out i mean obviously we as the audience know and obi-wan knows that it's luke um and so that was kind of a cool nod to obviously what we know as the main storyline in the original trilogy. I mean, it's kind of an anticlimactic resolution to that 
um, to that storyline of them like searching for this secret weapon or something to defeat the Sith. And it kind of just tails off because Ezra's like, oh, well, I guess my place is just back with my friends and I don't need to worry about this because Obi-Wan's got it covered. And he never gets to find out about, um, you know, well, Luke being the supposed chosen one, even though we know Anakin was really the chosen one. But um, so I think just from an audience perspective, that was cool to see how... Ezra almost found that out it's like he was on the same planet with Luke and it's like oh we know what this secret to defeating the Sith is that this was pointing to the whole time um but you know to keep it just kind of out of reach of those characters um but then obviously bringing it back to just the Maul and Obi-Wan showdown was just I mean I know some people weren't happy with it or you know thought it was uh you know too quick and you know over too quickly or whatever but I just love the way it played out loved Sam Witwer's portrayal as Maul, as always. And Stephen Stanton knocked it out of the freaking park as old Ben yes. Kenobi. Um, and to just see those two old characters, um, you know, together again after, you know, a couple decades apart and to see Obi-Wan still just, or to see Maul still, you know, taunting Obi-Wan and trying to goad him into fighting. And at this point, Obi-Wan's like, what are you even doing here? Like, I'm done with you. I don't want to fight anymore. Um <laughs> you know, kind of pitying him almost until Maul comes to the realization that, oh, wait, you're here to protect something. Like, why else would you be out here in the middle of the desert? Or, oh, maybe you're protecting someone. And that's when Obi-Wan ignites his lightsaber and he's like, nope, <laughs> no, almost moment. has a Gandalf moment of like, you shall not pass. <laughs> you are not going to find Luke Skywalker. Um, and then, you know, to see just the setup of this this showdown between the two where they're just staring each other down and sizing each other up. And I love the way that Dave Filoni described it in like the Rebels Recon where he's like basically they fought so many times it's like the fight almost plays out in their heads to where they already know what each other are going to do and so that when they actually start fighting it's just you know it's like a really quick chess match of just a couple moves and it's over um but then even with some of the callbacks to the movies in there with like you know Maul tries to use the same move on Obi-Wan that he used on Qui-Gon and Obi-Wan yeah. was ready for it and just cuts him right down the middle. And then to see after, you know, all these years of, of hatred between the two of them, like Obi-Wan or to have Maul dying cradled in Obi-Wan's arms, again, mirroring the way that Qui-Gon died. And he says, you know, tell me, is he the chosen one? And Obi-Wan says, yes, he is. And Maul says, he will avenge us. Um, it was just so it was beautifully done it was almost tragic in a way like almost made you feel bad for maul um like he wants to get rid of the sith just as bad as obi-wan does um because of the way that you know sidious has betrayed and manipulated him over the years um but i just thought it was a a great resolution um to the conflict between those two characters i'm so glad that after the cancellation of clone wars that we still got to see a resolution to darth maul's story arc um and then of course just the final scene where obi-wan rides over to the uh the lars homestead on his dewback and you just see the silhouette of a young luke skywalker off in the distance running across the desert um was just uh just some of the best stuff in rebels i think so that's my number five i had to put that up here that's a good episode. We should talk about that later. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> For me, that's one I actually had to narrow down from my honorable mentions. It wasn't actually in my top five because kind of what you were saying at the beginning, Kyle, was this episode as a whole one that I really thought was great and not just the Obi-Wan Maul 
confrontation because that is phenomenal. Even though I will admit, and I think I've said this when we were talking about the episode last year, how it did feel like a little anticlimactic without it was that short when I saw it the first time, especially since it took so long to get there uh, in the beginning of the episode. But then after I watched it again and then just, you know, hearing the more Dave Filoni talk about it on the Rebels Recon, just really grew to appreciate how awesome and amazing that moment truly is, despite being it being so short. But now I think that's what makes it so awesome is how quick it is. So that is definitely one of the best moments of the entire series. But I did feel the episode as a whole, it did kind of drag a little bit for me in some places, especially when Ezra and Chopper are kind of roaming in the wasteland of through the desert. Because you had that, and you had Ezra interacting with the Tusken Raiders. And it just, I don't know, for me, maybe it's because of just anticipating that confrontation between Obi-Wan and Maul so much. And I just wanted Ezra to hurry up and meet Obi-Wan. It just seemed to take a while. When I first saw it, and even watching it again, it still feels like it drags a little bit uh, for me. So, again, that's why I probably didn't put it in my top five, even though that confrontation between Obi-Wan and Maul was, ended up being perfect, like you said. But just as a whole, just couldn't quite uh, reach the top five level for me. Yeah, well, <clears throat> um, I think Paul might have more to say on that later. Um, but Tim, oh, like, why don't why don't you get go ahead and give us your number four? Well, my number four is gonna you know piggyback off of Paul's honorable mention because my number four pick is Shroud of Darkness. I really love this episode. I mean, not only was it a great precursor to what we're gonna get in the finale, but just a great continuation of what the season two premiere started off on Siege of Lothal was. You know, Ahsoka trying to figure out who Vader is. And I always felt, even in that season two premiere, that she knew it was Anakin, but there was a part of it that didn't want to believe it. And over the course of time was convincing herself that there's no way it's Anakin. I got to prove who Vader actually is. But once we get that reveal in this episode where she finds out that Anakin is Darth Vader, it was amazing. I mean, because... I liked how the episode even started off at really hopeful where she's looking at that old footage of Anakin kind of doing an instruction video. And Ezra was, you know, making comments of how great Anakin was in Ahsoka confirming that. And then just get that revelation at the end where she finds out he is Darth Vader and how we see in that vision she was having, you know, Anakin before he was Darth Vader. But then when she comes to that realization, you see him turn into Darth Vader and you hear Matt Lantern's this is the first time I believe I heard Matt Lanter come back as Anakin in that forest vision. And it was just really cool to hear him back, but then seeing it all play out visually, him going from Anakin to Vader with Ahsoka coming to terms with it was just really, really cool. And also, like you mentioned, Paul, it was just a great character episode for Ahsoka, Kanan, and Ezra. All three of them had great moments. Kanan, seeing him get knighted, I thought was done really, really well. And, you know, like I said before, in a way that made sense in, you know, the situation they were dealing with, there were no Jedi masters there to, you know, officially knight him like they would before. But Yoda knew, you know, he talked to Ezra previously in the temple of Lothal. He knew their presence was there and he used this final test. You know, the trial that Kanan had was, you know, facing the grand inquisitor, but in his previous role as a Jedi temple guard and coming to realization, what he has to do and not fight him in that instance to become a Jedi knight. And it was just great to see Kanan kind of take that next step. But, you know, it, it kind of goes into more of a tragedy of Kanan where we see him become a knight, but yet what happens to him in, you know, the season finale, becoming blind and then having more to learn and to come to terms with 
and that aspect. So that was great, you know, moment for Kanan, even though it does take a step back later on in his life where he couldn't really embrace being a full blown Jedi Knight. And then Ezra, you know, having that meeting with Yoda and finding out about Malachor, one of the things I loved about that was seeing, you know, through a vision of events of the Clone Wars play out, and they're actually showing actual footage of Attack of the Clones and some other, uh, I don't remember exactly what other scenes they were showing, but that one that stood out to me, of course, which is that at the end of Attack of the, Attack of the Clones, the shot of all the clone troopers just on that landing platform ready to board those ships and begin the Clone Wars. It's just kind of cool to see that mix of actual Star Wars film footage mixed with the animation. So there's a lot of stuff I love about this episode. It's just, I think, a real turning point in season two, even though it was kind of at the end, it just got you really excited for what's to come next because, you know, Vader does make an appearance at the end of this episode as he enters the temple. So there's just a lot of stuff I love about this one. And I could easily put it in my top five in the number four slot. Yeah, I'm really thinking I need to go back and watch that episode again because I remember it being good, but you guys are bringing up a lot of good stuff that I was like, man, I kind of forgot that was in there. No, yeah, Um, because you're right. It is kind of one you don't think about too much but when you go back especially when you're looking at season two episodes it really is a standout once you you know f- refresh your memory then you actually start thinking about it more you realize man yeah this is really one of the better episodes of the entire series at least for me yeah maybe we should like redo this episode like a year from now after we've all had time yeah to, like, re-watch <laughs> the entire series yeah yeah i'm sure it'll be you know our episodes in different slots new episodes in there all together it'll be totally different and to to be and to be totally transparent too, everyone like at least for me i have only watched all season four episodes once only because i don't want to watch them until again until i get them on blu-ray or whatever you know i'm with you there Mm -hmm. only, only because i've only watched it on my um on my ipad because of people helping me out to watch it and you know and the problem is i don't have a way to watch it on my tv and I have a 4K TV, so I really want to watch these things in like the best way possible. And because I I love season four, but I'll, spoiler alert: there's no season four episodes in my top five. So, um, you know, I so I want to say it could change after you know getting these on and, and watching the season four a little bit. But mm-hmm. there were they were they were close to cracking it, but not quite. Yeah. Well, and again, I mean, like I said with my honorable mention, that's why I had that one in there. I wanted to get some season four representation on my list because the season as a whole was so good. But I mean, like you, I've only watched them all one time each. Um, and it was hard to like nail down one episode to, uh, you know, pick a, to actually earn a spot on my list, especially when there's so many other good ones on here. Um, but I'll jump in with my number four and I picked uh, trials of the dark saber from season three. And it's the one where um, Kanan is uh, training Sabine to use the dark saber. And I love that episode just because it's so, um, I don't want to say slowed down, but like, it's so character focused. Like it almost Mm. steps back for a minute and takes a break from like the big conflict going on with the rebellion and Thrawn and all that kind of stuff. Like there's no big battles. Um, It's really just focused on, the lightsaber training, which is really cool to see and something that I always wanted to see in the Clone Wars. Like, I wish 
that we had gotten an episode like this, especially like in season three of the Clone Wars, when Ahsoka starts using the two lightsabers, like I thought it would have been a good transition from her using one lightsaber to using two to have an episode where um, she and Anakin are sparring at the Jedi Temple and the story just revolves around like the two of them getting to know each other more, you know, adding some character development in there, or even just having a scene of that, like at the beginning of an episode before they go off on a mission. And so to have basically an entire episode devoted to just lightsaber training with a character who's not even a Jedi, I thought was really cool. Um, but obviously, like, this is the first time that we really get kind of down into the nitty gritty of like Sabine and her backstory. Um, and I feel like up to this point, we had kind of gotten bits and pieces of it. Like we knew she was from Mandalore. We knew she built weapons. We knew that like she had a history with the empire and she felt kind of guilty about some stuff and that she kind of had a past that she was running from. And I kind of wondered like, are they just going to kind of leave it at that and just leave it kind of vague? Or are we ever going to get like the full story? And this is when we got the full story um, that she just kind of, lets out in an emotional outburst like as she's dueling with Kanan um and I feel like it was just it was a really great character development episode for both Sabine and for Kanan because you see her grow so much as his student and you see him grow so much as a teacher um just in that one episode and both of them learning to trust each other um and trust themselves you know Kanan trusting himself as a teacher and Sabine trusting herself as a, a warrior and a potential like future leader of her people um and to get a bit of, you know, Mandalorian uh, history and backstory in there, I thought was cool. You know, Kanan mentions at one point, he says like, hey, you know, history lesson, the Jedi won the war with Mandalore and, you know, you can't win yeah. with like your fancy <laughs> weapons and your cheap tricks and stuff. And I'm like, oh, that could open up a whole new can of worms as far as, um, you know, future storylines and, uh, you know, a new canon version of like the Mandalorian Wars from the Old Republic and all that kind of stuff. And then the way that you get that um, kind of the 2D animated uh, visualization when, um, Love that. what's yep. his name, Fen Rao is telling the story of how uh, there was a, a Vizsla uh, who was like the first Mandalorian ever inducted into the Jedi Order, and he built the dark saber. And then when he died, the Jedi kept the saber in the temple. And then uh, years later, um, you know, other members of Clan Vizsla came and raided the temple and took the saber. And how you know, from then on, it was like a symbol of their house and uh, a symbol that you know all the other Mandalorian clans rallied around. Like I just love that kind of history um and lore and i love just sort of the mandalorian warrior culture and all that kind of stuff and i just love seeing the dark saber and so when you have for like most of the episode it's like ezra and kanan and sabine all training with like wooden um training sabers and then at the end of the episode kind of like the the last act or whatever um when kanan finally is like all right i'll you know trust sabine i'll let her train with the actual saber and you see her and kanan you know, practicing and then kind of all out dueling each other with their actual sabers. Um, and it just being, you know, nighttime with Kanan's blue blade clashing with the dark saber, like just such a cool visual. The music in that episode is fantastic. Um, and again, like it's not the biggest, most important, like overall story episode. It doesn't have any huge battle scenes or any, you know, big action set pieces. Um, but both from a, a standpoint of sort of Jedi and Mandalorian lore, which is stuff that I love, and then just from a, uh, a character development perspective, I think this is a really fantastic episode. That was your fourth choice, right? Yeah. Well, 
the ironic thing is that's my fourth choice too, Kyle. <laughs> awesome. So I know, I know it's very awesome. So just like you said, this episode is way more character focused than action focused. And sometimes those can be the most, you know, your favorite episodes. And again, I'm going back to like, this doesn't have like really intense action, but there's, but the, the, the scenes with Kanan training Sabine are some of the, I think best in all the series. Um, and I think when, when they are talking, you know, I think the acting, the voice acting is really phenomenal. Um, I think the writing is really good, Mm -hmm. but I, I think the voice acting really elevates their, um, the whole thing because you really see the, in here, the frustration in Kanan when, or not frustration, but like, he's just, it's almost like he's trying too hard and he's getting frustrated and then she's, and they're feeding off each other but he's trying to keep his cool. I don't know. I, I love the fact that he, when he doesn't hold back and he starts letting her have it and then she doesn't hold back. It's just a really intense emotional scene. And it just, it like, it's a beautiful buildup throughout the whole episode. And, you know, I, which in my opinion, it, that's why I think like the, the Mandalore episodes in season four with, with, they aren't bad, but like you get this whole like lead up to Mandalore of the importance of, of what, you know, she represents with her family, with the empire and what she did. Um, you know, it's a little, it's just, a, it's funny what comes afterwards. doesn't seem as exciting as what we got in this episode because the buildup was again, written so beautifully and acted so beautifully by the characters. Um, I don't know. I, I love seeing the dark saber and go up against a lightsaber again. Like that's mm-hmm. really cool. And it's, I don't know. I love all that. I love the training. I love the fact that, you know, Sabine isn't a Jedi. She's just getting sword play and she's just frustrated. She just wants to go, go, go. She's a warrior. And I love how they amped all those things up in this episode. Um, And like you said, uh, Kyle, like the beginning of the episode, when you have the Mandalore, um, you you explain what the, what the, uh, the dark saber is. It's not like this Sith artifact or anything, anything like that. No, it started out as a Mandalorian lightsaber. I mean, like for a Jedi, and how cool is that (laughs) that is i mean like you could have told me it was a you know a jedi weapon okay cool that's that's pretty cool i guess or it's a it's a sith weapon okay that's pretty predictable it's black you know blah blah blah, you know it's it it symbolizes this like you know darkness you know and then it's like oh by the way this is actually a lightsaber for the first mandalorian jedi um you know then it's like a kind of a symbol for like the whole mandalorian culture and it's like that's that, that works. That's that's pretty dang good. That's that, that's perfect, actually. You know? And you're <laughs> mm-hmm. like, okay, Dave Filoni knows what he's doing, like 100%. Like, no, Dave Filoni gets Star Wars. And as we all know, for fans of the Clone Wars and Rebels, you know, this is just a small tip of the iceberg of what he gets and what he can do and understand of of how to push Star Wars forward without making, you know, too many huge waves and making us go, huh. Okay, I can I can deal with that, and I think like he just gets what what you know you can't just be predictable in Star Wars, and that's what George Lucas taught him, and that's what he is bringing. To, that's what he's teaching us as fans is that you know you don't want to do the predictable thing, and this even though this is such a small thing, it's a really cool thing, and I wouldn't have predicted that. I'm sure someone could have, but at this point, I just think it's really cool, and 
this whole episode, I think, it's like again, it's just it's a really fantastic episode, and I rewatched it recently, um, a couple weeks ago, weeks ago, without knowing I was on this sh- uh, episode with you guys. I watch a bunch of my favorite episodes, <laughs> and this was one of them, and uh, I just I love it. I think it's fantastic, and uh, yeah, like you said, Kyle, it's not this action-packed episode, but more of a character-building one, and it works 100%. And when you can make an episode that doesn't rely on, you know, like thrills and like you know and gimmicks and, you know let's face it darth maul darth vader the emperor those are gimmicks to an extent not they're not bad gimmicks but they're gimmicks and they're 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 if they have to be used to really like you know amp it up a little bit you know like what's 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 raise the stakes and when you're able when you do that it's easy to, to love those episodes because you'll see in our list there's a lot of those episodes in here yeah <laughs> but, 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 with the episodes that are can, that can build off the character, like this one, like uh, Trials of the Dark Saber, it really does show you how good the series was. That this, you know, and how good the writing was on these episodes that don't have those things, and they just really they push Star Wars mythology, and not only do that, but they push the characters, you know, and so that to me is what makes it a, a brilliant episode. Yeah, for sure. Um... Yeah, like you were saying, I mean, there obviously are going to be some great episodes on this list uh, later that deal with Vader and stuff like that. But I like that this one is kind of all based on, like, original characters from this series and original elements that were um, conceived, like, either for Rebels or for Clone Wars. um, And they're not relying on, uh, you know, like, cameos from the movie characters or anything like that. Um, but yeah, just, man, all this Mandalorian history and stuff, I just love all that. And, uh, yeah, I think Trials of the Dark Saber was definitely the highlight of all the Mandalore-focused episodes in Rebels. Oh, yeah, um, I agree with you guys. It's not in my top five, but I think it would, it's definitely in my top ten, um, just for all the reasons that you guys said. And if I'm not mistaken, I'm pretty sure this was the first episode that uh, Dave Filoni got the writing credit, like, just for himself, because I know he was like a co-writer on some of like the big finales mm-hmm. and premieres and other episodes, but I'm pretty sure this was the first one where he was the sole writer on it. And like you guys said, you can definitely tell because I remember right after we saw this episode, we were texting each other like, how great it was, and we we're talking about the writing and dialogue. Like you know, you know why it's so good because Dave Filoni wrote it. <laughs> mm-hmm. He just definitely it has that feel to it, which makes it awesome. And even for Sabine as a character, I remember a lot of people. Or some fans saying, you know, this is the episode that really elevated Sabine into a great character, knowing now that we know her backstory and all that. But I always enjoyed Sabine as a character. I mean, I liked that she was pretty much a no-nonsense character who was out to do the mission. She, you know, wasn't someone who was always cracking jokes or was any annoying or what that. But she, she had a role and she did it. But this one, it elevated it elevated her for me even more so because we did get that backstories or in just the frustration she had in that guilt of and why she was joining up with the ghost crew and hates the empire so much so that was great for her character and we got some you know other good episodes with her later on but i do agree with you paul about the season four premiere episodes kind of being a letdown with that and i've said this before too on one of our episodes talking about that how i felt it took away a little bit of the specialness with trial of the dark saber with her giving the Darksaber to Bo-Katan. I know we've had some debates about this, but I really would have preferred it you know, if she kept it. I mean, we saw how hard she worked to earn the right to wield that Darksaber, not only from uh, her training with Kanan, but also in the episode where 
you know, she goes back to Mandalore uh, to reclaim it. And uh, she has that fight with, uh, I always blank on that other Mandalorian's uh, name, but she had to duel for it. Um, but, you know, she just went through a lot to earn the right to wield it and to have her give it up so quickly to Bo-Katan. I know it can make sense. And she had to leave to, you know, be with the ghost crew and finish everything she started with them and the fight against the empire. But like I said before, I wish she would have had it where it's like, okay, hold on to it for me while I take care of this. And, you know, I'll, when I'll get back, I'll, you know, remain, you know, rule over Mandalore. Uh, once I finish everything I need to do with the empire, but they just, she just handed it off to Bo-Katan to be, you know, the official leader for you know as long as she can but so that took a little bit away from me of how special the episode could have been if it had a greater finale and i guess ending to sabine's arc there but other than that if you just look at it as a standalone episode it is really great for all the reasons you guys said yeah for sure um all right well tim you want to start us off with round three yeah so my number three is going to be you know one that I'm sure left an impression on tons of Star Wars fans. It's going to be the season two premiere, Siege of Lothal. And this was, you know, where Vader made his presence well known to the Ghost Crew and in this series. And not going to lie, part of what makes this episode so special is seeing it the first time at Celebration with you guys waiting in line all day to see it after we were at the Rebels panel and seeing that trailer for the first time and how amazing Darth Vader looked and what he was going to do. Just I remember, Paul, you and me after that, okay, let's go wait in line. <laughs> There's no way we're going to miss this and yep. you know, not have good seats for what's going to be an amazing premiere. And boy, it did not disappoint. Man, this, Vader had two great sequences in this episode that's, you know, one of my all-time favorite moments of the series and maybe one of my favorite Star Wars moments. But, you know, just seeing Vader in action against Kanan and Ezra. And even when we got the season one finale, we just got that tease of Vader, you know, knowing that he's going to be in the series. There was always questions of how he's going to be handled. I mean, he better, you know, mop the floor with Kanan and Ezra because there's no way they can beat him. And there, I guess there might have been a little trepidation amongst some fans about, you know, how Vader will be treated and fighting against Kanan and Ezra, knowing that he should dominate them. And we should never doubt Dave Filoni and his crew because they just handled it perfectly. It was an Vader did, you know, dominate in that lightsaber fight with Kanan and Ezra. I mean, just seeing him use the a force on Ezra to have him turn his own lightsaber to his neck and about to slice it off until Kanan got back into the fight. It was just, you know, showing the raw strength of Darth Vader that he has over the Force and using the dark side. And there are just a lot of iconic shots in this episode. I mean, of course, probably the coolest one in that fight sequence is when Kanan and Ezra drop the walker on Vader and Sabine and Zeb throw the explosives. And Vader just lifts up the walker like it's nothing. There's that amazing shot with the flames behind him and him raising his hand, lifting that walker, just showing the amazing power that he has. And just the expression on Kanan and Ezra's face. I love that line, too, that Ezra and Kanan have, where after that happens, Ezra's all, if that won't kill him, what will? And Kanan's all, not us. Let's get out of here. <laughs> Great stuff, but it gets even better once we see Vader in his TIE Advance fighter, just taking out you know Phoenix Squadron one by one, is doing some amazing stuff in his TIE fighter that's showing why uh, Anakin was one of the best pilots in the galaxy, and he's showing that he still has his skills here in this fight sequence. But 
the amazing the amazing moments that I'm talking about. That's probably my favorite of the series and of Star Wars is just Vader realizing that Ahsoka is still alive. I mean, we were speculating. I remember too. Are we going to find out that Vader knows Ahsoka is still alive, or Ahsoka is going to find out Vader is Anakin? Are we going to get all that in the premiere? And I wasn't so sure about that. I think we're going to get introduced to Vader, and then later on in the season, you know, through various episodes, he'll learn that Ahsoka is alive, and Ahsoka will learn that. He's Anakin, but the fact that Vader found out Ahsoka was still alive when this episode was phenomenal. I just remember being blown away, and especially being amongst you guys and the other fans in the room just geeking out once that happened. The dialogue and the build-up to that is so perfect. Ahsoka and Kanan using the Force to try to figure out who he is, sensing it, and then Vader can sense them as well. And just, I just love how he just slowly turns his face while he's piloting the TIE fighter and it's building up, building up. And then he just says these great lines, the apprentice lives. And then a, the scream Ahsoka lets out. It was just fantastic how it was all staged and acted. It was just everything we probably could have hoped for, for the revelation of Ahsoka finding out, or I should say Vader finding out that Ahsoka is still alive. It was awesome. And I even loved how to Vader, what he, all he cares about is pretty much getting revenge on Obi-Wan because when he finds out Ahsoka's still alive and when he has that confrontation or conversation with Palpatine at the end, like the first thing that comes to his mind is that she could lead us to other Jedi, such as Kenobi, kind of having a little bit of excitement that this could be his way to finally get revenge on him. But Palpatine kind of has to calm him down a little bit, saying, if yes, if he's still alive. <laughs> but I just love how that's all playing into the mindset that Vader has here. So, yeah, it was a much-anticipated episode, going into it and it more de- more than delivered for me and it would be higher <laughs> i mean it could easily be a number one choice but that just for me anyway shows that there's two more episodes i think that are even more special than this one but this was just such an amazing experience to watch not only for the first time but still every time i see these sequences with vader it still just leaves me with a great feeling it's just amazing this is really ridiculous this was my third as well. <laughs> and so I knew it had to is, be somewhere on the list. Oh man, I was like, <laughs> yeah. Dang. Dang. Well, and you know what, for me, and I told you guys this before we started recording, I was initially going to have this episode as my honorable mention, only because initially I was like, I want some more variety on my list and I don't want to have the whole thing dominated by like Vader and Ahsoka episodes. But and, and, you know, that might give away what the rest of my list is. Um, th- this is actually not my number three, so I will hold my tongue uh, as far as, you know, most of my comments go. But, yeah, I, I was going to cut it out as my honorable mention, and I was like, I just can't do that. Um, in fact, actually, of all the episodes on my list, this is the only one that I didn't rewatch recently, like within the past week. Um, I watched a few episodes today, like I watched, uh, I watched Kindred, the one that I mentioned earlier, I watched, uh, Trials of the Dark Saber, um, I watched, uh, some other episodes earlier this week, Siege of Lothal, I probably haven't watched in a couple of years, um, and still just, I mean, like you said, Tim, the memory of, you know, seeing it at Celebration and just some of those awesome moments that happened in there, I was like, I, I can't leave this off my list. So I will get to that uh, in a bit. But, uh, Paul, I'll let you go ahead and talk about it since it's your number three, too. Yeah. So um, like kind of what kind of piggybacking of what uh, 
what Tim talked about. This this episode is kind of special because you know it was a celebration, my first celebration ever. That you know going to the you know the 2015 one, and got to uh, finally meet. Tim in person. I, I, I talked to Tim a number of times, you know, a bunch actually, um, you know, just on the weekends, Skyping and talking about, you know, just speculating about star Wars and, and whatever. And then I got to meet you Kyle for the first time and, and, and as well, and, and, and get to know you a little bit. And that was the start of a, a beautiful friendship and, <laughs> you know, and uh, so I have a, a, a lot of emotional connections with this and it doesn't help that this episode's pretty amazing. Um, and, and really is because, of you know the connections with Darth Vader, the connections with Ahsoka, um, seeing A wings on screen. I mean, it's a lot of it. it just so much cool stuff in it that you want to see, and seeing the Ghost Crew going up against Darth Vader and things like that. Um, seeing Vader fly a Tie Fighter, you know, is his Tie Fighter and doing that, and like, there's so much amazing stuff in this episode, and it just proves that like how powerful you know, Darth Vader really is and how legit he is. And, you know, and you brought up a great point, Tim, that I didn't even think about was that like how he like Vader, like, you know, knows Ahsoka lives, but he doesn't care. He wants to kill Obi-Wan. All (laughs) he's obsessed with killing Obi-Wan. So I don't know, like there's just a lot of, um, there's a, this episode is just so full of deep cuts and Lando's in it for a second. That's I mean, right. I forgot. Oh, about yeah. That. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it, it's crazy. You know what they got in here. So, you know, I, I personally just think that it's, it's a, you can't talk about siege of Loth or you can't talk about rebels top five without having siege of Lothal on there. It's, it's almost impossible. And so you have to include it. It's fantastic. It's amazing. And yeah, I just, I think it's great. So it, it's, it's no, it's no wonder that most of the the, the, the movies or the, the quote unquote movie of the week versions uh, will be on our top five, and this is definitely one of them. And I mean, again, I talked, I talked, yeah, I talked about um, gimmicks and things like that, and obviously having Vader in there is kind of a gimmick, but it is awesome. They use it perfectly, and you know, it's it's amazing. This and in the season finale of season two are just amazing bookends. So. Yeah, I think I think Siege of Lothal is, it has to be in the top five Rebels episodes ever. Yeah, definitely. Um, <clears throat> all right. Well, for my number three, I'm actually going to go with the immediate precursor to that one, which is the season one finale, Fire Across the Galaxy. Um, and I kind of went back and forth on like which episode from season one to put on my list, but um, I just rewatched this one today. Um, and this one was really good. It's kind of the conclusion of like a three-part arc um, that finished off season one. And the the first episode of those three, Call to Action, was also really good. That was the first one where you see Tarkin. Um, and it's where Ezra and the Ghost Crew are trying to get their message out. Um, you know, where Ezra kind of like rallies everybody and kind of puts out this inspiring message of hope. But then Kanan gets captured by the Empire. Um, and this is the one where they go to rescue him. Um, and... Uh, you know, they, it, it's kind of a typical ghost crew mission, which is um, part of the reason why I liked it. I feel like this kind of um, epitomizes, like, the just sort of the fun adventure spirit of, like, what Rebels was on a week-to-week basis, where you've got the whole ghost crew working together on a mission to infiltrate a Star Destroyer, rescue a prisoner, get in, get out. Um, 
But of course, this one gets elevated because you've got the climactic lightsaber duel between Kanan and the Inquisitor. You have the really cool moment where um, the Inquisitor like knocks Ezra off a, a platform or ledge or whatever inside the uh, engine room on the Star Destroyer, and Kanan thinks he's dead and has just this really cool like Zen Jedi moment where you know, the Inquisitor kind of taunts him, and he's like, oh, or he, he says, like, oh, that was a bad idea, and the Inquisitor's like, oh, why, because you have no one left to die for you, and Kanan's like, no, because I have nothing left to lose, and he just starts fighting like we've never seen him fight before, um, and even before that, the way that he takes Ezra's lightsaber, and he's, like, you know, alternating between using it as a lightsaber and yeah, shooting the stun cool. blasts at him, and, you know, that was really cool, so, I mean, definitely one of the coolest um, action sequences and lightsaber fights that we got in the whole series was that showdown between um, Kanan and the Inquisitor. Um, and then, of course, you got, um, again, just kind of typical Rebels action with uh, Hera and uh, Sabine and Zeb, you know, running through the ship, um, taking out stormtroopers and trying to secure a ship for their exit and everything. Um, and then, of course, this was also kind of the reveal of um you know a little mini subplot where you had this mysterious fulcrum agent that was um communicating with these rebels and you know potentially had ties to other rebel cells um and the way that the episode ends with everybody escaping off the star destroyer um with sabine and her you know stolen painted tie fighter and kanan and ezra escaping in the inquisitor's tie after kanan defeats him um and they're flying away from the Imperial fleet over Mustafar, which was just a cool visual in and of itself. Yeah. Um, and then Ezra, or, uh, Chopper comes in to save the day, like, at the head of a small rebel fleet. And this was a really cool moment because, like, at the end of season one of Rebels, this was the first time that we really got an indication of, like, the bigger rebel alliance. Um, we had had, like, a small cameo from um, Bail Organa, and again, we had the little teases with Fulcrum and stuff, um, but this was the first time that we saw, like, rebel ships that we had recognized from the movies, um, and so that was really cool to see, um, and they come in and, you know, wipe out all the TIE fighters that are chasing them, and just to see the ghost crew at, a head, at the head of a fleet of rebel blockade runners um, at the time was really cool. Obviously, we eventually built up to, like, X-Wings and Y-Wings and all that kind of stuff, but it was just the beginning of... Um, you know, some more really cool things to come later on as far as just seeing the the growing uh, Rebel Alliance. Um, and then, of course, they get back on the Ghost, and uh, that's where we see for the first time that Fulcrum was none other than Ahsoka Tano, um, and it was just really cool to see her again. And I, I mean, I remember even though we already knew, um, or we had already seen the episode by that point, like when we saw the premiere of season two at Celebration, like you guys were talking about, um, they showed this episode again first. So we watched um, Fire Across yeah, the Galaxy and then right. Siege of Lothal and just the way that everybody cheered when Ahsoka showed up, um, even though we are, all knew it was coming, um, just seeing the return of that favorite fan favorite character and, um, you know, kind of getting that connective tissue between um the clone wars and rebels was really cool and just getting to continue on the journey of some of our favorite characters from that show so um yeah i thought this was just a really cool way to cap the first season of rebels and then of course you get the the tease of vader at the end showing up on lothal um it was just a really great way to uh to end the first season of rebels and set up for more great things to come in season two. Oh yeah i agree that's a was a great episode it's a great finale to the season and i remember there being a lot of buzz about this final episode because i think fans were speculating that fulcrum was ahsoka they did that you know audio <laughs> test where they 
uh, revealed that it was like Ashley Eckstein doing mm-hmm. the voice of Ahsoka. So it was kind of like we knew Ahsoka was Fulcrum, but it was still exciting to finally get that confirmation and to see her on screen because we didn't know what she would look like, you know, being several years after the Clone Wars. So there was still a lot of buzz about the episode and it really delivered not just for the reintroduction of Ahsoka, but like you said, it was a great episode for Kanan. And the fact that, you know, Mustafar, you know, was a was a setting, even though they didn't actually go into the atmosphere of the planet. Like you said, it visually it looked cool from space, but even the bit of dialogue that Hera had about it, it, might, it was probably in the episode before where she goes, uh, Mustafar is the place where Jedi go to die. So just knowing, like, there's more history into Mustafar, you know, that happened after Revenge of the Sith where they would take, and it ties in a bit to Rogue One too, now that mm-hmm. we know Vader has his castle there, you can just imagine captured Jedi being taken to Darth Vader. I mean, maybe that's where they took Luminara in, you know, Rise of the Old Masters. They took her there, Vader killed her, and they just took her remains uh, back to Stygian Prime to lure other Jedi. So just that fact that we get that little more information about Mustafar was just, you know, really fascinating and cool to learn t- as well. The only thing I will say about it is I wish that Lucasfilm did not reveal Darth Vader would be showing up in it before we actually see the episode because could you imagine the reaction we all would have had? I mean, we were already would have been on a high of seeing Ahsoka again and knowing that she's being a part of the series. And probably once we saw her, we would just, there would be a lot of fans who would think, oh man, if Ahsoka's back, can you imagine how awesome it would be if, you know, Vader gets brought into the series and they have a confrontation and then we see that actually happen at the end of the episode, not expecting it. Mm-hmm. I mean, we would all lost our minds seeing Vader enter the screen there. So that's the one little negative I uh, have about remembering that episode, wishing that Lucasfilm would have kept it a secret that Vader was being in the finale. Because I think they revealed that a week before, like, make sure you stay tuned for the finale to see Vader is be in this episode, so I just couldn't imagine how amazing that would have been seeing that for the first time. But still a great episode, regardless. I uh, I like the episode. Um, I I definitely thought I was I was gonna write it down for my um, or I think I wrote it down when I went through like my favorite episodes of the season um, because episode or episode season one is so short. Um, I think that's definitely a standout um, in in the season. I think almost all the Rebels season finales and like they're always great for the most part. You know, season premieres and season finales. Um, I think you know, I think that episode is totally worthy of it. I love the Inquisitor Kanan fight. Um, you know, the Ahsoka reveal, the Vader reveal. They're all great. So I mean, but like for some reason, it just doesn't like. I think the, one of the things I don't love about it is. Sabine's intro to the episode. That's my only problem with it. Uh, I think she, or yeah, I think it's just her, you know, jumping around like super high, like she's a Jedi when she's not, not with the jetpack. And she's like, I got a lot better. And I'm like, not my favorite about that until you mentioned it. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. It's, and the thing is, and, you know, I also think the episode before it was such a, I don't want to say filler, just not. It just felt like it was they were extending things out a little more than they should have. Um, you know, I don't know. I I think you could. I literally always skip the episode between Call to Action and um, in in this episode. So it's like they they work perfectly. And um, but anyway, but yeah, I, I think besides the intro, I think it's an amazing episode. But the intro really does kind of like 
ruin it for me a little bit because I'm like, eh. and it's the first thing you see, and it's not like terrible, but it's not it's not my favorite. So yeah, it's I don't know if it's even my top ten, but I think it's not a bad episode either. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and you know what? That part of the beginning that you're talking about, I mean, I can see how it's definitely not like the greatest thing, but I thought it was an. I just liked it because it's a neat little callback to like the little uh, character shorts that they put out before the series even premiered. Um, you know how like there's like a little three minute short that's like an introduction to each character and um, Sabine's. I fr- I think it might just be called the artist or something like that. Um, and it's basically her like in that same airfield, just like messing with the Imperials and blowing up their Tie Fighters and stuff. And so the beginning of this is basically her being like, "Hey guys, I'm back," and it's you know her doing the same thing, but this time stealing the ship that they eventually use to go uh, infiltrate the Imperial blockade. So I thought that was kind of a neat little throwback, just for. Uh, you know, a fun way to wrap up the the uh, first season there. Um, but anyway, I'll tell you what, I'm going to jump right in with my number two pick, since you guys already talked about this one, um, because mine is The Siege of Lothal. Um, and I don't have too much to add on this one, because you guys pretty much hit on all the major points there. Um, like I said, somehow I was almost going to leave this as an honorable mention, and I was just like, I can't have that as an honorable mention. This has got to be on my official list. And then as I put it on my list, I was like, nope, it's better than that one. It's better than that one. It's better than that one. (laughs) And this is all just going off of memory because, like I said, I haven't watched it in forever. But just the fact that you have, um, again, just Vader and Ahsoka back, um, you're building off that reveal of the rebellion at the end of of season one. And this, you know, now we actually get to uh, we get introduced to Phoenix Squadron. Um, You see some A-Wings in action. Um, you see Vader completely obliterate them in that space battle, which was just amazing. Um, I mean, as much as I love his battle with Kanan and Ezra um, and, you know, seeing him basically kick their butts and just hearing James Earl Jones as Vader again um, was all phenomenal. But I think the space battle might be my favorite part of it, not just for the Ahsoka reveal, but for the fact that, I mean, I feel like, and it's kind of sad, but I feel like we get to see Anakin in his element as a pilot in a way that we never even got to see in the Clone Wars. Like, I wanted, like, one episode of the Clone Wars to be just completely dedicated to a space battle to get to see Anakin do the kind of stuff that we see Vader do in this episode. Um, and we finally got to see it here. I mean, that moment where he's got, like, the two A-wings on his tail and he just, like, does, like, the reverse backspin thing. Yeah. You know, he, like... <laughs> shoots his ship in reverse like while spinning and like shoots the guys while flying backwards it was it's just like man okay now we know why i, I remember you really geeking out at that moment during celebration God. yeah <laughs> dude like, i was oh, just man, like, like what <laughs> um and i'm like this is why obi-wan says he was the best star pilot in the galaxy like clearly yep. he still is um so that was just incredible um and then of course the the reveal moment between him and Ahsoka and just that line, the apprentice lives and her scream, you know, we all just lost our minds. Um, And, you know, of course that just sparked off a season long anticipation for, um, you know, a final confrontation between these two characters, but just to have them not even meet physically, but to be aware of each other's presence for the first time was just a really cool moment. I think it's something that, 
we as fans, you know, dreamed of from the moment we first met Ahsoka in Clone Wars, yeah. like not knowing what her final fate was going to be, but thinking like, man, wouldn't it be cool if she survived Order 66 and if she like fought Vader one day? Um, and that's exactly what we got to see. So that was all really cool. Um, and like you guys were talking about too, like I just have a lot of special memories of that episode and hanging out with you guys in line, waiting for the premiere at Celebration and all that kind of stuff. But um you know, even just the episode itself just has so many great moments. And, um, you know, as much as I wish that I could have this episode or have my list be more focused on um, episodes that highlight like the original characters from this show and, you know, the the members of the ghost crew and their individual strengths and whatnot. It's like, how can you not love the return of Darth Vader and Ahsoka Tano? Yep. Like I said before, you cannot argue with greatness. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> Um, so that being said, uh, Paul, why don't you give us your number two pick? All right. My number two pick, you guys might, uh, remember it. We said it earlier and this is going to be, I think a little controversial for you guys because of where it's at. It's actually twin sons. And, um, for me, I know you guys are kind of like, well, you know, it's kind of wrapping up things and it's a great episode and it's worthy in the top five, but it's not quite like, you know, it's, it is kind of one dimensional and, and a little bit and there's not really much going on, but that to me is why I loved it is I think I loved the animation of this episode. I think the episode, this is some of the best animation bar none on the whole series. I think the animation looks incredible. They do a fantastic job of making the uh, characters are uh, on Tatooine look like they're in like um, full on just dusty and just desolate and oh it's awesome like i just think it looks great i love the fact that like you know ezra is being pulled from by by maul to go to tatooine and that you know he kind of learns a lesson in the process and um you know i love the fact there's sand people in it i mean i geek out a little bit we're on tatooine which is my favorite star wars planet i think so um i don't know like i just Maybe the nostalgia is part of it, but I just think I love Sam Witwer's performance. I love just, you know, uh, obviously Steven Stan's performance. Um, I just love like this, the kind of, it felt very cinematic to me. I'm not sure if that, if that is what you guys would agree to that, but this, some of the shot placement and, you know, some of the, the way things looked, it just, it felt like there was a lot more TLC on that episode compared to the other ones. And I, and I, I'm one of the people that straight up loved the fight scene between Maul and Obi-Wan. I felt it was perfect. I mean, I felt like it shouldn't be this long fight. And, and or not that, I take it back. I feel like I could have had a longer fight. That's fine. But I kind of love that, again, Dave Filoni does something that, like, is not what, you know, conventional animated people would say. They'd go, oh, yeah. it's animated cartoon. What's have a fight for like two, three minutes, you know? And it's mm -hmm. like, we have to have, you know, have it be the most of the episode and blah, 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 blah. And because Filoni is, uh, you know, a disciple of, you know, George Lucas, he does the unexpected and does what the characters need to do, serves the story right, regardless of the, if it's fact that it's for, you know, animated, you know, kids show or whatever. He, even though they still they still obviously pander to that a little bit in the series. And that's there's nothing, there's nothing wrong with that. But one of the things that he does not do, he does what he needs to serve the story and serves foremost the characters. And I feel mm -hmm. the fight between Darth Maul and Obi-Wan Kenobi 
was so perfect, so perfect that that you know it just was. Yeah, it it was it was a perfect couple. One, two, one, two, three, bam. You know, mm-hmm. it's like perfect and like it should be. And I love I love the fact that you know that Kenobi holds him as he dies. It's like really powerful. It's just yeah. a great. It's just a great episode, and I feel like it serves the mythology and and everything of Star Wars so well, and I love that about it. And yeah, I I, I just and I can't help it because I love Darth Maul, love Sam Witwer. When I started watching the Clone Wars for the first time, and I was just then starting to get into this the the series, um, you know, of of and seeing Darth Maul come back, you know, I love Sam's performance as Darth Maul. It's phenomenal, and. I just, yeah, I just, I loved it. So um, seeing him come back and fulfill that in all the other episodes, especially this one, it's perfect. It's to me, it's it's one of the best, one of my favorite things of Star Wars possibly. I mean, I'm I'm waiting to see where you know lands over time, but it might be up there. It might be up there. Yeah, in the case of the Obi Wan and Maul fight, like you're talking about, it's one of those instances where I'll include myself amongst the fans who maybe, you know, early on speculating a cool final fight between Obi-Wan and Darth Maul. It's like, we we have hopes of what we want to see, but Dave Filoni is going to show us what it needs to be and <laughs> how it really should be. And that's why I always say sometimes about not keeping expectations in check and, you know, not doing wild speculations, even though we do it anyway. <laughs> I always like to kind of keep them in check because... I just have total, especially on the animated front now with Dave Filoni, just have total faith and trust of what he's going to do with it. And like you said, it was unexpected, but it ended up being the best way for their story to end. It was, like I said, it was just done in a beautiful way. And I will just add to real quick, if because I after the episode aired, I did watch all three Darth Maul episodes from season three, uh, the Holocrons of Fate, Visions and Voices, and Twin Suns. It makes for a great, you know, Darth Maul art kind of reminiscent of something we would have gotten in the Clone Wars. Watching all three of those back to back, it really adds to you know that cinematic feel of Darth Maul's story here and how it all wraps up in this season. So I would also recommend watching all three of those back to back because they really flow nicely. Yeah, I mean, like we said earlier, that was just. I don't know. I love that episode. I love that conclusion between the Obi-Wan and Maul um, storyline. And, um, you know, one thing, too, I mean, kind of how you were talking about, Paul, how it was maybe not the fight that some people wanted, but that it served the characters best. I think one thing that it did really well, too, is like if we'd had like a long drawn out fight. Um, yeah, it could have been cool, but I think you would have had a lot of people asking like, oh, how come Obi-Wan has this awesome fight with Darth Maul in Rebels when he's all old and in the desert? And then like a couple years later, he's on the Death Star with Vader and looks mm-hmm. like he's just kind of trying to poke him with his lightsaber, like, you know, <laughs> and being all slow. And, I mean, obviously. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, well, here's the thing. You think about that fight. The two of them, really, they have their sabers held out in front of them, like, the entire time. And they're just kind of, like, fencing with them almost and just kind of trying to swat each other's sabers out of the way. Um, And obviously, lightsaber dueling, like, evolved so much over the course of just, you know, the the movies and them developing new techniques and stuff. And I think eventually, or initially, George wanted them to really be used like heavy broadswords almost. Um, and that's why that first fight is so kind of stiff. And then, you know, he's like, oh, what the heck? Let's have him be all, you know, acrobatic and stuff. Um, but so, again, I think it worked really well to have it be believable that, like, that Ben Kenobi could 
do that fight because again like i mentioned when i talked about this it's so cerebral like you see them sizing each other up and almost visualizing that whole long drawn out fight and then they're like screw it let's just get to the end of this already and three moves bam done yeah you know it's it's one of those things where i think that will it'll age really well from this from the series and when we go back and watch the other animated shows we'll we'll be like man that was that was that was really good Mm -hmm. yeah and i i have to say like i haven't re-watched a whole lot of um you know rebels episodes in their entirety um but just the clip of like the last whether it's just the fight between Obi-Wan and Maul or sometimes it's like just the whole last like eight minutes or so of that episode, like from the time that Ezra actually uh, meets Obi-Wan, I've rewatched that like just on YouTube like so many times just because that last section of the episode is so great. The fight is awesome. Maul is awesome as always. And like I said, Stephen Stanton's performance as old Ben is just so freaking good. Totally. Um, all right, well, Tim, let's get to your number two pick. I think I know what this is, but let's see what you got. <laughs> yeah, so it looks like I'm the only one who has a season four episode on my top five. And yeah, it's kind of crazy how recent this episode is, but it's already in my top five and my number two was could have been number one. I actually thought it might have been, but after thinking about it, it just wasn't quite up there as number one. But it's going to be World Between Worlds. And you heard me geek out about this episode just on our last show that we released last week and just how much I loved it. It just encompassed so much of what I love about Star Wars. I mean, one of the, not only just the Force aspect, but one of the things I just love about Star Wars is just the history it has, especially as we, we're getting more stories and movies and TV shows. And just, you know, the more characters we get, like the more history it creates with the old characters and how this episode pretty much brought that all together. It just really blew me away hearing those voices from every era of, you know, of Star Wars, at least with the film series right now, I mean, getting the prequel era, OT era, sequel trilogy era, just, it was all encompassed in that world between world segment. And just, it just blew me away. It just gave me chills and just, you know, reminded me of all these great characters that are in Star Wars and how they're all related together. And, you know, and Ezra's hearing all that. That was awesome in itself, but there was so much more great stuff in this one. The new aspects it brought into the Force blew me away. I know there was some controversy on it, and I made my comments about that on the last episode, so I won't go into all that again. But I just personally loved it, seeing the Force expand the way it did and just really made you think. I mean, we just had a great discussion on it on our last episode, Kyle, and that's what I love about it. Just when we get to speculate and think about what this means in the grand scheme of things and what the force i love it when we get episodes like that and like harkening back to mortis and the yoda arc and i think this episode are what those two arcs and clone wars are to rebels and just making you really expand your mind when it comes to the force and you know the possibilities that are there from it you know dealing with time and ahsoka and ezra uh, grabbing ahsoka out of that battle with vader bringing him and in, bringing her into that world and just, you know, making you think, what does this all mean? Did he mess with time? Was it just fate? And like I said on the last one, I believe it was fate where he was always meant to save Ahsoka. But just the fact that you can have those discussions and debates about, you know, what it all means with the Force. It's just amazing. You throw 
Palpatine in there. You throw, you know, the Mortis gods having a connection to the entrance of the Jedi Temple. Just so much amazing stuff. It literally blew my mind when I first watched it. I watched it, and I immediately watched it two more times <laughs> that same <laughs> night. That's how much it left an impression on me. So this one is an all-timer, not only for Rebels, but just in the grand scheme of Star Wars stories because it had so much of what I love about Star Wars in this one episode. So I had to put a world between worlds as my number two. I mean, automatically, I knew it was in the top five. It was just a matter if is it actually going to crack that number one spot? But it didn't, but it's still pretty high on my list. And I, I just can't imagine not having it on there, which I got to admit, I'm a little surprised you guys don't. But, <laughs> you know, it just makes good to have variety in the list, I guess. But knowing how much we talked about, how we loved it after we first saw it, I was expecting it to be on your guys's too. But uh, it, it's fine if I'm the only one who has it on there, as long as it's rep- represented amongst one of our list. <laughs> yeah, well, I think the main reason I didn't put it on my list is, one, like I said, I, I'm i kind of still processing season four, and I kind of want to go back and rewatch the whole thing. Um, but that was definitely like a game changer episode that stood out to me. But I also, I was like, I know that's going to be on Tim's list. So we'll get to talk about it anyway. And I want to maybe try to pick some different stuff. Um, but yeah, I mean, like you said, it was just really cool seeing all of these eras of Star Wars brought together in one place. Um, I feel like I maybe had a little bit of mixed feelings on it the first time just because I was like, wow, we're going through all this like just to save Ahsoka and it almost felt like just one big complicated plot device. But the more I thought about it, and I actually realized this today when I was rewatching um, Kindred and sort of the beginning of the whole story arc with the Loth Wolves and Kanan talking about like the force drawing them back to Lothal and them him feeling like they're there for some greater purpose other than just to stop Thrawn and his production of um, TIE Defenders, but that like the Empire is up to something more sinister and that they have a bigger purpose here. And when I heard that and after having seen A World Between Worlds, I was like, you know, I think I had it wrong. Like the first time I watched the episode, I was like, oh, the main purpose of this was to... Um, you know, to save Ahsoka, and then they run into the Emperor and the temple gets buried and we're never going to see it again. And I'm like, no, that was the purpose. Like, from a certain point of view, the whole purpose of the Ghost Crew, and especially Ezra and Kanan's kind of personal mission within the Force and everything, like within the Season 4, they are personally responsible for stopping Emperor Palpatine from gaining access to manipulating time and space. Yeah, pretty much the ultimate power you can ask for in the galaxy. Yeah, like, that's huge. Um, and that's a pretty big goal to reach. And it's weird. Like it doesn't feel that weighty because for one thing, like it's not the, the series or season finale. It's like, you know, the third to last episode. And so much of the episode is focused on Ezra saving Ahsoka and then sort of making peace with Kanan's death. And so the emperor almost feels like an afterthought until you really kind of sit and stew on it and realize what the implications could have been if he had been able to gain access to that power. Um, and the fact that Ezra buried it, it's not like, oh, well, they just want to, you know, they just wanted to use this to save Ahsoka and then get rid of it so that we don't have like time travel in Star Wars now. Um, it's like, no, they got rid of Like they had to bury that thing so that the emperor couldn't have access to it. Like, he just happened to be able to save Ahsoka while he was in there, and that's like an added bonus. But really, like the the fact that they kept this thing out of Palpatine's hands is huge. Um, 
so yeah, I, I, I've kind of come to appreciate it more now. And I actually want to, well, I want to go back and rewatch that episode. Like I said, I want to rewatch all of season four, but um, there was definitely a lot of great stuff in there. And um, yeah, like you said, just anything that deals with expanding the mythology of the force is always something that's really cool and really special to get. Yeah, this is a, I'm on the same boat, Kyle, and we talked about this already, but I'll just say it again that I, I, this episode almost did crack the, the top, the top five. I, and again, the only reason why I didn't, I just haven't lived with it enough to really say yes, without a doubt, this is a top five episode. Um, and it's something that I need to watch on my big screen and, and watch it, you know, a couple times and really analyze. I can tell you this, I loved it. And considering if you would have told me before, like how nutty it was, this was going to be, I would be like, uh, what? And, <laughs> and yeah. So watching it, my response was what? In a good way. It was, it was a really crazy concept. And I love the fact that Filoni brought in, you know, something that I never thought would be, could be cool in star Wars. And also like, brought he furthered the mythology of the force and he did so in a way that was so again like lucas you know something something that's not necessarily a common thing in star wars and made it like just seamless in my opinion seamless in the mythology of star wars so you're right it is and and i and obviously it's all subjective but i think a lot of star wars fans who watch rebels would agree that it was surprisingly just how good and surprisingly uh, very seamless into the mythology. It just makes sense. And I think that, you know, again, Filoni knows how to ride that line of, is this, you know, is this too much? Is it not too much? It's a, it's, it's a beautiful, beautiful episode. It really is. And I, it's definitely in the top 10 for me. I, I don't, and even after seeing it once, I can tell you that right now it's in the top 10. And so, I yeah I, I for one want to you know want to keep watching it and and analyze it more and more and, and by the way I just want to just want you to know or everyone to kind of think about this as we're talking about Star Wars you know it, what is it about Star Wars that makes you want to rewatch you know not just the films but the cartoons I mean think mm-hmm. about like this for this is kind of really fast and I don't want to go on a tangent but. This really fast, you know. You know, there's Marvel cartoons, and and I know people rewatch those too, and and whatever. But what is it about Star Star Wars that makes you want to rewatch like everything, the like Clone Wars and Rebels? I mean, it just shows you the magic, you know, the magic that Star Wars has, and and lures people in, and just wants people that they want, people want to analyze things. I mean, you have good writers like Dave Filoni writing great material. It's easy to you know to do that. So. Yeah, it's just it's a really crazy thing that we're just we're going in and we're, we're analyzing these, you know, these children's cartoons that are more than just children's cartoons. So I don't know. I just think it's really amazing to kind of just looking look just kind of looking at it from a outsider perspective for a second. It's like wow, it's crazy. Like how many other people analyze these animated shows like this? You know, there's mm-hmm. not many. There, there are they do exist, but not many. Yeah, well, definitely. You're right because I think you're talking about the magic of Star Wars is that we get in the movies it's in these animated shows well that said makes, mm-hmm. because there's some episodes of clone wars and even some of these top five rebel episodes that are up there with some of the movies maybe some of them are better than some of the movies that's because it's to me i've said this before it's all star wars whether it's a film or a tv show and that's what makes it great too because we know it's not an animated series 
based off the movie that's not connected to it. It's all connected and part of the same canon, which also I think help makes it great and why we dive into this stuff so deeply because we know it can have you know dramatic effects on the stories of the films and maybe not necessarily where they're taking stuff from the cartoon, but if you watch it, it just enhances the stuff you see in the movies even more because you can make those connections yourself. What helps makes it, for me, a more special when you're able to watch a Star Wars movie and you recall something from the Clone Wars or Rebels. That just the fact that it's part of this one big story just makes it that much better. And that's why I like I think you said it perfectly. That magic that's in the Star Wars movies, it's here in the TV shows as well. Mm-hmm. Yeah, definitely. Um, all right. Well. Shall we just dive into the number one spot? I think we uh, made a unanimous <laughs> so at the same time. <laughs> yeah, I think we we unanimously chose our number one uh, Star Wars Rebels episode as Twilight of the Apprentice. Um, yes, <laughs> and I mean, where to begin? You have helicopter sabers. <laughs> yeah, you know what? You had to bring I, that up. <laughs> I rewatched this episode a couple days ago and those didn't even bother me as much as I remember them bothering me the first time I saw the episode. Like you're being too forgiving, Kyle. That's why. <laughs> yeah, I mean it's dumb, it's corny, but still like when there's just so much other cool stuff in there, um yeah. It's 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 just such a minor knock i mean that makes the episode like a 9.5 out of 10 instead of a 10 out of 10 you're um, not wrong but oh, man i mean th- let's let's start at the beginning for me again as an old republic fan the fact that they go to malachor um Ugh. and it's not like exactly out of knights of the old republic 2 but you definitely get that sense of history that this is an ancient sith planet that there, there was a battle here during some ancient war between the jedi and the sith that was just really freaking cool to see. Also, this was on around the same time that the Force, the Force Awakens, was coming out, um, and you know to see Ezra pick up that ancient lightsaber and it's like a green, you know, Kylo Ren saber, and we know that he based his lightsaber off of like ancient designs. Um, so to see that that actually was like an ancient type of lightsaber that was used, that was really cool. Um, and then, you know, we get a new Inquisitor introduced. We get Ezra meeting up with Old Master, who is, uh, you know, Darth Maul coming back <laughs> for the first time in this series. And let's just talk about that for a bit, because the whole first half of this episode um, with Ezra and Maul going into the Sith Temple and, um, you know, just the, I mean, I love that whole interaction with Maul sort of teaching him stuff and the way that, you know, it really emphasizes like the Sith rule of two and they have to work yeah. together to like lift the huge obelisks and whatever as they're like going through the temple to get this holocron. Um, and, you know, I mean, just that, like the visuals of all that. Um, I mean, even if it was just we, like we could split this into two, because I know you guys were saying technically like on the Blu-ray, they've got this as Twilight of the Apprentice part one and part two. I always just consider it one long 40 minute episode, but um, which is what it should be. <laughs> yeah. But I think even if technically it's split into two episodes, I think even part one would make it into my top five. Um, just because mm-hmm. there's so much cool stuff just dealing with like ancient Jedi and Sith history and um you know, just that those scenes with Ezra and Maul are so awesome. Yeah, it's this uh, 
we, I want to really fast go on a little bit of a tangent about the fact that these episodes are not combined in the Blu-rays. It drives me nuts because <laughs> because right when the first uh, you know you don't have I don't, I'm not sure if you knew this Kyle but the episode ends right when Darth Maul shows up with the Inquisitors and he goes oh what fun what fun and you're like yes and then he goes. Wow! Back to the menu. Select the next oh, episode. That is oh, annoying. Oh, oh, it's awful. It, like it is, and because you know, it's like even Spark of Rebellion. It's it's like it has a really awkward like middle, you know, thing. It's just a, it's just stupid. I'm sorry. Just make. I w- maybe they'll do it for the 4Ks and they eventually release those, which really bother me to rebuy those again. But anyway, um, but yeah, like I just, it's really annoying and it just, it breaks it up the episode because when I watched it live, watching it all the way through one episode, even with commercial breaks, oh, it's so good. It's so, yep. so, so good. So that is really annoying. But yeah, no, this, these episodes or episode movie, whatever, is just, phenomenal it, there's so much to talk about i mean you could have a, a two-hour you know discussion on that episodes or those episodes alone like literally just those two we could sit down i think we and, actually did yeah <laughs> i think guys you guys have a three-hour episode talking about a lightsaber so i mean come on <laughs> That's not true. yeah i know so i don't know there's there's just so much to talk about and you know i think what one of my favorite things about this episode is the fact you have the you know you're combining so you know the it's it rebels really is a bridge between prequels and 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 the original trilogy and it's really interesting to see and even you know a, it's the bridge itself too because you have the inquisitors so you have you know this idea of the pre of like Darth Maul, and you have the bridge, and then you have what you know bridge leads into with OT and with Darth Vader. So you have all these things all together in this episode. It's just really fa- fa- uh, fascinating, and you see the brutality of Darth Maul and the, and the tenaciousness of Darth Maul and the manipulation of Darth Maul. It's 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 really it's really really well written, and um, again one of the, one of the more well written episodes. Um, you know, because sometimes action can make up a lot for bad, you know, or, or mediocre writing or or just kind of just you know, not lazy writing, but just kind of standard OK writing. This, thankfully, has the combination of a great script and not just a great script, but great acting again, really great execution by Sam. I think Whitwer in particular, he really nails this this episode. I mean, mm-hmm. or these episodes, whatever. he just is. He's a phenomenal voice actor, and I hope this guy works a lot as a voice actor. I haven't checked his IMDb and know if he if he's working mostly in voice acting or what, but the dude just is kills it. And well, he, I mean, he's done a lot of live action like TV. I know, and stuff I know. Too. Well, I know, I know, I know he has, but I'm just saying, like, it, it's amazing that he. Sh- it's to me, he seems like a phenomenal voice actor. Yeah, an actor. Period. I mean, he's just a, he's a great actor, and he should be working more. Period. Like, I think I think that. When I listen to when I listen to Darth Maul, I think he just he just he, you could tell the passion is there, and I know mm. it's what he does with all his work, you know. So I don't know. I I just his performance really stands out. I mean, he's always good when he shows up, but I think he really brought his A game on that on that on those episodes, and I think they're just uh, yeah, they're they're amazing episodes, and we could talk more about. It. I'll let you guys talk about it now. <laughs> no, yeah, as far as you know, Darth Maul and Ezra goes, that was just, like you said, Kyle, a great way to have you know this two-part finale begin uh, focusing on ezra and darth maul and i totally agree about how this is temple in order to you know access it you have to really 
know, use the rule of two <laughs> to get through the different entrances and puzzles that are there. But as far as Darth Maul goes, I just like when he was first introduced and he was referred to himself as the old master and he was playing like a crippled old man who could barely walk and his voice, you know, he was making his voice sound older as well. But I wouldn't mind if that's how Darth Maul really was. And he was like that <laughs> over the course of the other episodes he would appear in in Rebels because it would kind of be, you know, he would be similar to Obi-Wan's age and he would be older. But uh, so I did like that aspect of him being the older Darth Maul. But when we found out that, you know, it was just playing Ezra for a little bit and he ended up being like the Darth Maul. We all know and love and remember him from the Clone Wars. I mean, it wasn't a complaint or anything, but I will just say if they didn't decide to go that route, I wouldn't mind old Master Maul at all because I really like that aspect of how Sam Witwer played him and how Darth Maul was using that to his advantage with Ezra. And another one of my favorite moments is when Ezra accuses him of being a Sith and just how Maul is insulted by that now, Mm -hmm. how he has wants nothing to do with it and just wants revenge on the Sith more than anything. So I like adding that layer to the character as well. So just that introduction to him was great and then seeing him and Ezra work together, seeing another side of Ezra's training that he probably wasn't expecting to have, but um, you can make the case that he took more to than the training he was getting with Ezra, with uh, Kanan. So just added another little wrinkle to that master Padawan relationship that Ezra and Kanan had with Maul in there. It kind of threw in a, a wrench there where Maul wanted Ezra as his apprentice and Ezra was kind of not as you know willing to go along was more like this abandoned everything that Kanan taught him and just fully be his apprentice. But you could tell he wanted to learn stuff from Maul as well. So that was kind of interesting to see play out as well. And I even liked how Maul continued to call him apprentice, not only this episode, but every time he showed up in season three as well. So just a lot of stuff to love just on, you know, Darth Maul's front. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, going off on a bit of a tangent for a sec, I feel like that was kind of a wasted opportunity in season three. Um, just the fact that this episode kind of leaves you thinking that Maul has maybe left a bit of an imprint on Ezra and he's got the Sith holocron and you're thinking like, man, Ezra's going to have some dark stuff to struggle through in season three. And it really is like only dealt with for like the first couple episodes Um, and then kind of comes back up every time Maul comes around. But um, yeah, the sort of dark Ezra striking out on his own is really, you know, it's kind of resolved in like the first one or two episodes of season three. And I feel like that had a lot of potential to be a more ongoing story arc. Um, but man, yeah, Twilight of the Apprentice. I mean, I rewatched this one uh, a couple days ago and it really, I mean, what really cemented it for me as like, not just something that needed to be on my top five, but like absolutely my favorite episode of Rebels um, is like when you think about this, especially when you haven't watched the episode in a while, like obviously the first thing that comes to mind is the Vader and Ahsoka fight. Um, but that's only like the last five minutes of the episode. And I, you know, it's easy to forget how incredible the other 40 minutes of this episode are and really how much Darth Maul kind of steals the show for most of it and just how great he is throughout all of it. Um, you know, to have him go from being the crippled old master to, you know, finally revealing himself as Darth Maul and, um, you know, taking on the Inquisitors, the way that he brutally executes like both the uh the fifth brother or is it the 
uh, the fifth or eighth brother, whichever one, fifth the, brother. yeah, the yeah. big bulky guy, um, and the seventh sister turns on Kanan and blinds him, which obviously has huge repercussions on his character for the rest of the series. Um, Let's and, not forget the call out to Ahsoka about the Siege of Mandalore story that <laughs> we still that haven't gotten full yet. <laughs> yeah. Um, and yeah, to just, you know, see those two characters again um, and get, get to continue their storylines from Clone Wars was just awesome. And I'm so glad that they didn't do what they were originally going to do and have Maul get killed off by Vader in this episode. Mm -hmm. Because for them to continue on his storyline for another season and then get to have the final showdown with Obi-Wan could not have ended any more perfectly. Like, I, I can't even imagine Maul getting killed by Vader now. Like, it needed to be Obi-Wan. Um, yep. But, yeah, I mean, just the all the action in this episode was so great. The visuals were amazing. Um, can I, really fast, can I just answer what you talked about Vader versus Maul? I, I kind of would, wouldn't have mind, minded that myself, personally. It would have looked cool, but... At the same time, you wouldn't want Maul to survive it, but how can he survive an encounter with Vader if they're oh, really going at it? Yeah, well, no, and, and Dave Filoni said their initial plan was to have Vader kill off Maul at the end of this episode just to, to wrap up his story arc. Um, and I think at the time I probably heard that and went, oh, man, that would have been so cool to see. But, you know, we didn't know how much more of Maul's story we would be getting after that. And so, like, now in hindsight, like, having gotten the resolution to that storyline that we did get, I wouldn't want it any other way. Um, but yeah, I mean the, all the stuff with, like I said, with Ahsoka, with Maul, with the Inquisitors, just all the action and stuff. Like this was just a, a really great episode from start to build up to the finish. Um, and then you get, and even just sort of Maul's end game here where, um, he and Ezra get this holocron, and then he tells Ezra to sort of take it up to the top of the temple. And, of course, Ezra and Kanan think they're there to find this ancient Sith knowledge that's going to help them find secrets to destroy the Sith. And you find out that really Maul is manipulating Ezra into inserting this holocron to activate this temple that basically acts as some kind of super weapon or battle station. And he's like, ha ha ha, you've you know triggered my ultimate plan, and this is actually a, an ancient... Sith battle station that I'm going to use to exact revenge on all my enemies. And it's like, oh, crap. Well, now, you know, it's like Maul's been kind of pretending, you know, playing nice with him. And it's like, oh, what's he really up to? And it's like, well, now his kind of maniacal final plan is revealed. Um, But then... You know, after oh, and then of course you get the moment where Maul blinds Kanan, and Kanan puts the mask on, and you know uses the Force to sense him, and they kind of have one more duel, and he actually tosses Maul off the edge, um, and gets the upper hand on him. That was really cool to see. Um, and then of course we get to the finale where they're like, oh, we got an incoming ship, and man, you just see the like with kind of the holes in the ceiling. And you see, like, the light coming through, and as, like, each hole is kind of getting covered up by the shadow of this approaching ship, like, just the build-up to that and just the the impending sense of dread as you know that Vader's coming <laughs> um, was just, like, so well done. And the scene where he's, you know, descending, just standing on top of his TIE fighter um, and comes to fight like Ezra an awesome and Kanan. <laughs> yeah, just, oh man, awesome shot. I mean, the whole, like, the final five minutes of this episode is 
not just some of the best stuff in Rebels, but and, and this whole episode as a whole, but especially this final confrontation is like right up there with the best of Clone Wars and like better than some of the stuff from the movies. Like this is one of the most intense and just like dramatic, climactic, epic, visually awesome showdowns in all of Star Wars. Um, where we get it's really Star Wars perfection almost. <laughs> yeah, yeah, Ahsoka Tano versus Minus Darth the Sabers. Oh, we're talking about the sequence. Okay, yeah, yes, I know. I like the episodes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. no, the sequence is definitely up there with the films, in my opinion. Yeah, it's uh, it's just so good. I mean, the lightsaber duel is awesome. Like, um, certainly, you know, some of the best just choreographed, uh, you know, lightsaber dueling that we've got in you know either Clone Wars or Rebels. Um, and of course, like I said, just the, the scenery and the weight of the showdown and knowing that, holy crap, it's Darth Vader dueling Ahsoka Tano, um, just elevates the entire thing the whole time. Um, and just but, the dialogue they had too, before the fight even starts. I mean, yeah. That just gave you chills all in itself, seeing, of uh, telling Vader, or Vader telling Ahsoka, the Emperor will show you mercy <laughs> and all that, but then Ahsoka thinking, Oh, there's no way you could be Anakin Skywalker. Like she was convinced that there's this no way that it could be him. Vader tells him that Anakin Skywalker was weak and I destroyed him. And there's all so much good stuff. Yeah, and, and then Ahsoka says, "Then I will avenge his death." And he says, yeah. "Revenge is not the Jedi way." And she says, "I am no Jedi," and ignites her lightsabers. Yeah, so perfect. Yeah, <laughs> so and good. then of course the moment towards the end of the fight where. Um, Actually, Vader knocks her off the edge of the temple, and he goes to try to stop Ezra and Kanan from escaping with the holocron, um, and Ahsoka comes back and charges at him and slashes his mask, and we actually see part of Anakin's face inside and hear Matt Lanter's voice come out of the mask of Darth Vader um, and call out to Ahsoka, and she says, like, you know, I won't leave you, not this time. And he says, it, it, I mean, it sounds like Anakin right out of Clone Wars saying, then you will die. And he ignites his lightsaber again. And it's just, I mean, it's so, so tragic, so powerful, so epic, just raises the hairs on the back of your neck. Like, <laughs> yeah. ugh, man, it is, like I said, it's, it's movie level stuff. I mean, for those of us who got really invested in the Clone Wars and were so disappointed when that show ended um and we always knew there was potential to you know either come back and finish some of those storylines or have those characters show up in another medium at some point but i think when the clone wars season five ended and then it was announced that the show was getting canceled i don't think we ever could have imagined at that point um that we would be getting just such an awesome uh showdown between ahsoka and vader which at the time seemed like the end for Ahsoka's character because, um, I mean, at least the way that it ends in season two, it certainly seems like uh, Vader is the only one who's coming out of that. Um, and at the end of the fight, of course, the temple closes and we don't really see what happens to them. But Vader's the only one who comes outside afterwards. Um, and we see this brief glimpse of Ahsoka going down into the temple. But it was like, is that a metaphor? Is she dead? Is she still there? Like, where is she going? How did the fight end? Um, and we get the answers to all that in um, season four in A World Between Worlds. Um, and man, ugh, just I, I want to go back and watch this again now. Like, <laughs> yeah, I mean, you're talking about how cinematic 
this final sequence with Vader and Ahsoka is. And I remember watching it again, like I want to say the weekend before Rogue One came out. And we were all excited about Vader's presence in Rogue One. We didn't know what it was going to be, but we were hearing it's going to be awesome. Oh, that's right. Because I remember watching it the night of the Rogue One premiere. And you were seeing everyone's like Twitter reactions after those who went to the premiere saying, oh, Vader does not disappoint. He has one of the best sequences you're going to see. And I remember after watching Twilight of the Apprentice that night, I just thought to myself, I don't know if Vader, whatever Vader does in Rogue One, I don't know what's going to top this. This is pretty amazing. And I'm going to stand by that. I think, I mean, I love Vader's sequence in Rogue One. It's awesome, but it's not quite on the level as what we got in Twilight of the Apprentice. And this is one of those instances that we talk about where the stuff we get in animation is right up there with the movie and sometimes better because it's just so cinematic, so powerful, like you said how you're invested in both of these characters from Clone Wars. It's just amazing to see all come and lead up to this moment here. And probably my favorite moment of this whole sequence is not only when Ahsoka just slashes Vader's mask and you hear that scream that James Earl Jones lets out, kind of similar to what he let out in Jedi after Luke chopped his hand off. But here's, because I was not expecting this, seeing the cracked helmet and seeing Anakin Skywalker's face, that really, really blew me away. My mouth was on the floor seeing that because it was just visually striking. It was Mm -hmm. just so, so powerful. Like you said, having that history with the Clone Wars, Matt Lantern back doing the voice, it it was perfect. It was just, Filoni and everyone nailed it. I mean, talk about surpassing already high expectations. This is one of those cases where it definitely exceeded my expectations in hype for this confrontation between Vader and Ahsoka. I probably wouldn't have pictured it or, you know, speculated on going down this way, but it didn't matter because what, no matter what I would have speculated or hoped to see, it was just done to perfection here. And I can't imagine it being done any other way and being done better than what we got in Twilight of the Apprentice. It was just so, so amazing. Did Paul have anything else to add? I, I do not. Like, I think you guys kind of, you know, rocked it out, man. I mean, basically, if I'm going to finalize on this episode, I'm just going to say, you know, it's it is up there with some of the, some of the Star Wars we've gotten in the past, and it's you know, I think this Ahsoka Vader fight is definitely one of the best saber fights we've gotten in a long time. So yeah, I think I think it's great. Yeah, that one was... last thing I'll say. Oh, sorry, oh. go ahead, Tim. One last thing I'll say about it too. I just love how. The episode as a whole ended. It's one of my favorite pieces of music that Kevin Kiner did for Rebels. It's just a really moving piece where you're seeing the aftermath of what all the characters just went through. You're seeing Kanan or Hera seeing Kanan and realizing what happens to him being blind. Rex realizing Ahsoka didn't come back. Vader coming out of the, the temple wounded and the convoy flying overhead. And you mentioned the shot of Ahsoka not knowing if that's really her or not. This all made for a great ending to this episode coming up to or you know culminating into Ezra opening up that Sith holocron all by himself and that, the music and the visuals all went together perfectly to end what was an amazing hour of Star Wars Rebels mm-hmm. yeah for sure and um Man, it, it's kind of a shame that we never got to see Vader again after that but at the same time it's like you can't top that like we kind of did in a world between worlds because we got you know we saw more of the fight yeah that's true 
Yeah, but I mean, I I, I, I had talked about before how like I would have liked to see Vader come back and be the one to finish Kanan off or something like that. But um, yeah, I mean, obviously Vader's a character that you don't want to overuse, especially in an animated series like this um, when he's so prominent in the movies. Um, and this was just, I mean, he was used to perfection here. Um, and you don't want to, you know, go on from that and, and use him too much. Um, but yeah, just the, the stuff that we did get here. And like I said, even in this episode, he's only in it for like the last five minutes, but it's some yeah. of the most incredible Star Wars stuff ever. Um, so yeah, I, I think Twilight of the Apprentice, very deserving atop our list of best Star Wars Rebels episodes of all time. Um, without a doubt and glad it was unanimous amongst all three of us <laughs> yeah and i mean i had a feeling it would be like well we talked about it a couple weeks ago we all said well what's the best episode we all went or last week we said star wars twilight the apprentice we literally all said it the same <laughs> <laughs> so i mean yeah i mean in fact when we before we even started recording we or recording we all even agreed like we all know what the number one is, but yeah. Yeah, even we didn't even we, say the name of it. Yeah. yeah, we didn't say it, but it was like, we've all got the same number one, right? Right? <laughs> oh, oh, I need to, you know, one one person in particular I would like, to, I would, we need to ask, maybe we can have her on sometime, is Jonah Marie Macias, um, who's who's Star Wars Rebel super fan. I'm curious what her top five is. You know, and I, I don't think maybe this would be number one. I'd be curious to ask her at some point. It okay. might be the clone episode at the beginning of season two. Um, I don't know. See, that's the thing. I, I we should have had her on, man. We'll have to we'll have to coax her in here somehow. <laughs> yeah, but um, you know, let's talk for a minute about um. Now that we've got our top five episodes out of the way, are there any other just like small little moments or episodes that you guys want to just kind of briefly mention as like other kind of highlights of the series that you really enjoyed? Well, top five worst episodes are. <laughs> <laughs> oh, let's not even go there. Oh uh, no, I, I'm not gonna do that because I, I there wasn't a lot of bad episodes uh, to be honest. There was only a few, but um, no. As far as episodes go, that I think that are you know pretty good. I think you know all your guys' honorable mentions are definitely you know worthy uh, contenders, if you will. Um, I think some of the episodes, uh, the. Uh, one of the episodes in particular kind of has always stood out to me that I really liked is the mid season, uh, season one episode and that one that ends it where, uh, they, they go to that old clone wars site and, uh, the, the fear knocks are there. Yeah. And, and the, and the inquisitor is there and he like has to fight one off with his lights. He has both lightsabers and, uh, you see Ezra kind of touch the dark side a little bit and see how connected he is with, with the creatures. And, and you kind of see a hint of how powerful he really is. Like, that's a great episode. It may be a top 10. Um, but, yeah, I think that's, that episode in particular I kind of was been thinking about a little bit. Yeah, I think that would definitely be a top 10 one for me, too. Um, also, I really liked all the kind of stuff that tied into like Rogue One and even A New Hope with just like the formation of the Rebellion, kind of the stuff we got to see oh, in yeah. season three and four yeah. with, um, you know, the introduction of like Mon Mothma and General Dodonna and seeing the Rebel base on Yavin, um, the appearances by Saw Gerrera, um, all that kind of stuff I thought was really cool. Um, again, that was kind of some stuff that I was like, I almost wanted to pick one of those episodes to be in my top five, but like I couldn't remember like which ones were the best or like pick just one um and obviously i didn't have time to go back and rewatch everything um 
but that was just something that was really enjoyable to watch over the progression of the series just you know to first see like phoenix squadron with the a-wings and then um just slowly build from there where you had that one episode where Hera like does the test flight of the b-wing you have them go steal some y-wings you got the introduction of the x-wings finally in uh season four and to be introducing more and more of those rebel characters um over the seasons and to see like these rebel cells growing and uniting into like the rebel alliance that we know um you know close to the time of the movies was really cool to see yeah another aspect that i want to mention i don't know if this episode would be in my top 10 it might be but just what it introduced a new aspect of the show is the honorable ones and mm. how it changed the course of callus throughout the course of the series and just seeing that you know how you know he was pretty much zeb's arch rival for almost wiping out the lasat and the rivalry that they had and the fact that they were stranded on that, I believe it was the moon of Geonosis, if I'm remembering right, or somewhere near Geonosis. But they had to work together to survive and it kind of opened Callus's eyes to, you know, not necessarily the rebellion, but just how you know cold the Empire is. And now they really don't uh, care about him or pretty much the state of the galaxy. And seeing the aftermath of how he slowly became uh, to want to work with the rebels. And it made for some other interesting, cool episodes, I think, throughout the course of the series as well. Uh, there's that one, I think it's in season three, uh, through Imperial Eyes, mm -hmm. which uh, kind of shows Callus uh, trying to scramble uh, through, you know, being investigated, uh, being a traitor through Thrawn. And they think they pin it on someone else, but Thrawn really knows it's Callus who betrayed them. So it just added a new layer to the characters I wasn't expecting to happen early on in the series and it felt like a natural progression for him and made sense to why he would abandon the empire then join the rebellion so that was a a wrinkle to the story that uh, i felt was pretty cool and that was you know surprising when it happened yeah that was one thing i was going to mention too um yeah that was a great progression for his character i thought a really cool direction for them to take him in um and especially like a great foil for zeb and to have them kind of start off as like bitter rivals and then to have zeb kind of show him um, you know, the life he could have outside the Empire, um, I thought was really cool. And to have him eventually defect and turn against the Empire. My only sort of complaint about it is I wish we had gotten to see Callus do more as part of the Rebellion. But it was kind of like, yeah. it, it was almost like becoming a Rebel was like the culmination of his story arc. And we didn't really get to see him do much after that. But, um, yeah, that's true. Yeah, that was really cool. Also, the episode with uh, Zeb and, um, you know, where he goes to find a new homeworld for his people and they have to, like, navigate through that nebula or whatever. Mm -hmm. Like, that one was really cool. Um, yeah, there were lots of, you know, cool little moments like that that, you know, when I was going back through um, and just kind of looking at, like, the titles and descriptions of some of these episodes, I was like, oh, yeah, I don't know if that'll make my top five, but, like, that one was cool, that one was cool, that one was cool. Um, I also really liked that one episode that was, uh, like the last battle of the clone wars, yeah. um, which was, I mean, not the greatest episode, but there were some nice, just kind of nostalgic throwbacks that I really loved in there. Um, the fact that like when Rex and Kanan and Ezra are kind of playing like the war game against the old separatist battle droids, that it plays the, uh, the music from the battle of Christophsis in the clone wars movie, um man that just tugged on my nostalgic heartstrings and the fact that the, <laughs> yeah. the episode ends with like the the music that they played at the end of the clone wars episodes instead of the rebels uh ending music um so that one had some some really cool touches that i liked 
Um, and then even, I mean, speaking of Clone Wars, getting to see some other characters like Hondo again, um, you know, we talked about like Rex and getting to see the clones again and stuff. That was all really cool. I think looking back on it now, I, I'm definitely glad that we got to continue as many, um, you know, Clone Wars characters into the show as we did. I feel like at the time, <clears throat> at least for me, like at the beginning of season two, when we had just gotten reintroduced to Ahsoka and then we found out like Rex and Hondo and some more people were going to be in season two. I was like, at the time, it almost felt like they were losing focus on like the rebels characters a little bit. And I was like, Oh, are we focusing too much on like just wrapping up old clone Wars storylines? But looking back on it now, I think the, the ghost crew definitely had their own space to grow and to shine as their own characters. But at the same time, like it doesn't feel like they were just using rebels as an ex a, a continuation of clone Wars. It feels like these two shows, both are just star Wars. Um, you know, like they're both mm -hmm. just extensions of the Star Wars universe and they overlap in places where it makes sense for them to overlap. And, um, unfortunately I never liked Hondo in Rebels as much as I did in Clone Wars. And I think part of that has to do with his costume and the fact that he always looked like he was in like pajamas or something. Um, <laughs> well, there were a couple times for Hondo's though, <laughs> within his glory pirate days. <laughs> yeah. But, you know, it was definitely fun to see that character again. Um, cool to see Lando, um, again, like none of his episodes were like my favorite episodes, but, um, you know, it was always cool to see Billy D. Williams back as that character. Um, so yeah, lots of just, you know, cool little moments like that throughout the course of the show that was really fun to see. No, yeah, definitely. And another cool thing too, just about the series in general that I really love seeing is how, you know, for fans who, or people who might think, oh, the TV shows or, you know, it's not really connected or important to just watching the movies, but the fact that a lot of the stuff in Rebels, well, I shouldn't say a whole lot, but some cool little stuff that made it into Rogue One, I thought was a really cool, you know, addition to the movie that, you know, adds a little notch to the significance of Rebels, where you got to see the ghosts, uh, you got to hear the name uh, Harris or General Sandula of the intercom, you got to see Chopper, and we saw Saw Gerrera be introduced in the Clone Wars, then make the jump to Rogue One, and then we see him again in Rebels. So just the fact that a lot of the stuff in Rebels made it into an actual film, I think, is really cool. And this, you know, again, shows what I was talking about before of how what makes the Star Wars animated series so special is that it is all part of the same grand story that's being told in a galaxy far, far away. And to see that actually put into action is another cool aspect of it. Once we saw rogue one and how it connected to rebels, which I think was a, you know, pretty significant uh, moment for the series. once that happened. Yeah. Not to mention that Dave Filoni basically got his wish that like, it's basically canon now that Rex is that old bearded guy at the battle. Yeah. Of Endor. <laughs> that's true. Oh, don't, don't start that. I uh, wish I don't, find a big deal at all <laughs> I, mean, I know there's some I, disappointment I, about it but i, I know there's, there's eh, yeah it just starts a big hoopla and... to me it's no it's not a big deal regardless either way <laughs> yeah i think it's cool yeah exactly no i, I think it's cool too but I, I i don't know it's just one of those weird things where you're just you're trying to be respectful and you're trying to like do the right thing and then i don't know i i i think what in my opinion what they do is they leave it open for your for you to do what you want with yeah and, and, and that and that to me is what they do they don't say it is for sure 
but they heavily imply so that way it, everyone wins. Yeah, if you want to, it makes total Ex- sense. Exactly. And I think that's it's a cop out and and I know it will upset people regardless, but I think it, it works cuz you know, they don't, you know, deliberately say it, but it's implied. But I personally will say it is cuz I like it, but you know, at the same time it's you know, I'm not overanalyzing it either. It's like he's in the he's got one clear shot of himself. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so, I mean, it's not like it's, you know, he's like has like speaking lines and you know whatever. So, we'll we'll, we'll see. We'll see. But yeah, I I I like it's yeah, whatever. Yeah, I don't know. I I think it's cool to be able to see like, you know, just a random background character and be like, "Hey, that could be Captain Rex." Um but anyway, uh you know, Tim and I talked a lot about this on our last episode, but Paul, let's get your thoughts a little bit on um, particularly just the end of the season four finale, just the the little kind of epilogue mm. that um, that wrapped up the series. Can, how'd you feel about that? Well, uh, it was, man, it was, it was kind of a lot to take in. And it was funny because when they showed Jason Sandula and, you know, and I'm like, what? She had a kid. I'm like, who's the father? And it showed her with Rex. I thought Rex was a father. For <laughs> a second. I was like, man, Rex, like he, all right. Right on, man. You know? <laughs> and, and then I, and then I was like, wait, I, I, and I'm not even joking. Like I had really thought that for a second. I'm like, wait, who's the, fa-? wait. Cause I didn't even think it could be Kanan. And then I thought about it and went, Oh, what? Mm-hmm. So yeah, it's it was weird. Um, no, I, I thought it was interesting. It was a little weird about the whole the whole kid thing because they don't you know deliberately go out of their way on the show to show that they are an item. You know, they're not sleeping in the same room. They're sleeping in separate areas, which that doesn't mean anything. But but still, it's like it's just kind of strange that like you know she just kind of winds up like oh by the way I had a kid before he died. It's just I don't know. It's it's one of those things where it's you don't hate it, but you don't like it's not you're indifferent about it. So I I'm indifferent about Jason Sandula. I hope he has some cool his you know some cool future ahead of him with something, whether it be future animation or maybe he's force sensitive or or whatever. But um, that that was fine. Um, obviously the whole Zeb and Callus thing. I don't know about you guys. I thought that was kind of weird that they're you know going back and be like. Oh, I'm gonna go back and be justified. They're gonna accept me in open arms, even though I pretty much helped wipe out all their <laughs> their whole race. You know, I've been forgiven, and I, 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 hey, I'm all about a good forgiven story. Let's be real here. I, I love that stuff, but it was a little strange. I was like, well, I, I, if I was trying to like move on from my life, I necessarily wouldn't want to be around the people that I helped extinct. But I mean, whatever. I mean. It, everyone's different, I guess. I don't know. So that was kind of strange. It was just kind of, huh, that's weird. And then people were shipping Callus and Zeb, and that was very strange. Um, <laughs> I can't don't... stop the shippers. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I just, I want to know when someone's going to ship peanut butter and jelly, man. That's what I want to know. <laughs> yeah, I, like, I always say my, the only kind of shipping I like is free shipping on Amazon. I <laughs> can't live without it. So. Um, so get get into the meaty the, the meaty stuff is obviously um, you know Sabine and I actually this is really funny I, I actually really like Sabine's hair in the last uh, portion <laughs> like I remember being like oh I like what you did with your hair um, 
I'm obsessed with characters' hairs. I don't know if Tim remembers my Wolverine obsession from the modern myth media days. Um, <laughs> yeah, I'm obsessed with 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 heroes' hair for whatever reason, um, or heroines, heroines, if you will. Um, but yeah, uh, I thought Sabine looked really cool. Um, that was a great, you know, shot that was reminiscent of the very opening scene of uh, obviously with Rebels, um, and then the reveal of Ahsoka uh, the White. Um, you know, it was, I mean, it was, it was a little too much on the nose. Um, I agree, but it's, it's funny because it's too much on the nose, but I, I'm still fine with it. If that makes any sense. Like, no, totally. But I want to know what exactly is her role because obviously she's being kept alive and, and the sister, you know, she's connected with the sister of Mortis and, or and what did they what she call her sister the sister of Mortis was it Nemo was that, was that Mari her? I think Mari something like that but is that the real the daughter's real name I don't know because maybe, it could just be know. what Ahsoka called the Convor or maybe the Convor I'm, told I'm gonna her go that's, that's her real name I'm gonna, I'm gonna say that's her given like God name how rad would that be yeah that'd be interesting <laughs> I'm, going, I'm going with it I'm going with it so anyway um so that being said I really want to know what the the daughter and and ahsoka and what their connection is and what it means for the greater star wars universe going forward because obviously the force wants ahsoka to live and my biggest thing is what is the story purpose for keeping ahsoka alive and what what are the ramifications and what stories need to be told because of that like and, and so in the in the real world sense like you know what does Dave Filoni have in store for the character that warrants her to stay alive? And in the, in the universe, you know, like in the Star Wars universe, what does the Force want to do with Ahsoka? And is it because is 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 this the work of the daughter? Is she putting things in motion? Is she that godlike, you know, Force wielder ish that it's going to make you know these ramifications in you know the the galaxy? So there's lots of unanswered questions that you want to know. And it leads me like, oh, man. And that's why I, I think I'm on board with Ahsoka the White, even though it's really too on the nose. And I'm, I'm not, like, disappointed, but it's like, come on, Dave. You could have, you know, been a little bit more discreet. Like, how about Ahsoka the Grey? Just because everyone loves that in Star Wars, right? So, I mean. Um, <laughs> oh, the Grey Jedi. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh, the Grey Jedi. Luke's a Grey Jedi, right? Uh, you know. So, um, yeah, I, I just kind of. I, I, that's the one reason why I'm, I'm totally on board with it. So, um, but yeah, so let's, I, I say, let's, let's, let's find out what I want a story with, you know, Sabine. I, I mostly want, like, I want in-depth four stories with Ahsoka and Ezra and what they mean for the galaxy post return of the Jedi. Could yeah. I agree more. Yep. I'm right there with you, except I want Luke in on that mix. Like mm-hmm. I want, I want Luke to accompany Sabine and Ahsoka on their journey to go find Ezra and Thrawn out in, you know, dark space. Um, Man, that would be so cool. I just, I can't wait to see what they're going to do next with Star Wars animation. And um, I mean, I think my biggest takeaway just from the end of Rebels, I feel like there's such a stronger foundation now for like the future of star wars storytelling in an animated medium especially because like i i just can't shake the feeling now they got to do something in between episode six and seven um and i love that they got to end rebels on their own terms give it a proper conclusion and 
wrap up all the storylines, but at the same time set up potential storylines for another animated series that I already like want to know what's going to happen next. Um, and I feel like Rebels got off to a, a bit of a rocky start just because, I mean, obviously with the the sort of abrupt cancellation of Clone Wars, we were all upset over that. And then Rebels kind of comes in to take its place. And I mean, still, I think if you go look on like YouTube or something at Rebels videos, there's going to be some troll in the comments. that's like, this show sucks. Bring back the Clone Wars. Um, <laughs> and as yeah. much as I would love to bring back the Clone Wars, it's like, we got to move past that and you got to enjoy Rebels for what it is. And I think it was, I mean, even for us, like it was hard to do that at first, just because you, you know, you kind of can't help but compare it to Clone Wars. And it's like, you've got these brand new characters that they're trying to establish, but then you start bringing in old characters from Clone Wars. And, you know, it's like, is this its own thing? Is it a continuation of Clone Wars? Like it was, I, I feel like it was kind of hard to place like what Rebels role in star wars really was and i think now that it's over in retrospect i think it's easier for me to sort of take it all in and kind of slot it into its appropriate place in the universe and in the timeline as like not necessarily being so much concerned with it being an animated series that's trying to do its own thing or whatever but like we were talking about it's just star wars like it's just another piece of star wars lore and i think they did a great job connecting it to clone wars and to the movies and to um it, you know just establishing the characters on its own um you know having it be its own thing while also being connected to everything else and i think sort of carrying that momentum forward and now having characters that were invested in from both clone wars and rebels who are still around post return of the jedi and now having a wide open practically blank canvas of like a 30 year time span between return of the jedi and the force awakens and i know there's been a lot of stories in that time period already but i also feel like there's still so much left that's unexplored they barely um, scratched the surface of that era yeah really and i mean especially it seems like everything that is you know, been written or been made so far. And I mean, you guys can correct me because you've read a lot more of this stuff than I have, but it seems like they've, like you said, really only scratched the surface in terms of like, everything seems like it's either like within five years after Return of the Jedi or like five years before The Force Awakens. And there's still so much room in between that we really haven't even explored yet. Um, and to have new characters in that era that can interact with Luke and Han and Chewie and Leia and Sabine and Ahsoka and Ezra and Grand Admiral Thrawn and you know all the, there's just so much they can do with this now um thanks in part to you know to some of the great storytelling by Rebels and some of the way that especially that this epilogue of the series really set up that potential so I am really excited for what the future holds um and uh, I feel like, you know, even just talking about this and thinking about Rebels since it's been over, um, I feel like I've started to appreciate the show more than I ever did, like, while it was on. And I kind of want to go back and rewatch the whole thing, like, with kind of a fresh perspective now of knowing, kind of having, like, a, a more solid idea of, like, where it really stands in the Star Wars canon in terms of, like, its purpose and where it starts and ends. Um oh, yeah. I think so, it's going to make for a great rewatch when we get, you know, all four seasons on Blu-ray. You do, you know, start from Spark of the Rebellion all the way up to the final episode. It's going to make for, you know, a really 
great Star Wars story to watch from beginning to end. Yeah, and you gotta we gotta add to the how amazing these episodes look on Blu-ray. On like yes. you know not being streamed through like digital media through you know either your, your iPad or your you know through your your you know whatever you know whatever provider you use. Like it looks. They always like. I'm always kind of taken aback when I put mine in. I'm not sure if you are, Tim, or no. Or I totally Kyle. agree. Like, like when I put put them in, I'm like, whoa, it looks, it looks amazing. It, yep. it's, <laughs> it's like you know, I, I know that the the Rebels isn't quite Clone Wars, you know, as level and animation. And it's just, you know, the Clone Wars animation is just ridiculous. But I, and I always take kind of like dog on the simplicity of, of Rebels, and it's just not that standard really. But when yet when I put it on on my blu-ray and i'm like oh that looks a lot better than the tv broadcast so uh it's if people who are you know don't who haven't picked up the blu-rays are kind of like you know on the fence like yeah well whatever i really recommend watching them on blu-ray because i mean physical media obviously is always going to have a superior you know over or be superior over the uh you know broadcast or a digital stream and especially with rebels even if you watch it live on a nice hd television or 4k television or whatever like the blu-rays physical form you put that in your player it looks beautiful it is uh, i think to me it's it almost looks like a and tim correct maybe i'm i'm overblowing it but or overplaying it but like i really do think that like it's almost like a dvd standard to like HD like conversion standard almost. Oh, you're almost. not wrong. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Especially when you compare it to a TV broadcast because it looks terrible on my direct TV box. And when you mm-hmm. pop in the Blu ray, it's night and day. It really pops out at you. Uh, I was, especially when season one came out, I was definitely, you know, taken back like you. Were, wow. I was expecting it to look good, but not this good. It really looks phenomenal on Blu ray. Yeah, it, it does. And, and how, do you have all the seasons, Kyle? No, I don't have it on Blu ray. You have nothing on Blu-ray. No. Well, yeah, nothing Rebels related. Okay, fans of The Saga Continues, you know who's getting married in a few weeks. I think you guys <laughs> need to pitch in and help Kyle get Blu-rays. So just you know, put that out there. People, send Kyle your gifts. Give him Star Wars Rebels Blu-rays. All right, I'm done. Oh, stop. <laughs> I mean, I wouldn't say no, but stop. <laughs> um. No, I mean, now you guys are making me want to get it because, I mean, being a film and video guy myself, I mean, I always love to see stuff in the best picture quality possible. But if I'm being honest, I'm a little surprised you don't have it. Yeah, I mean, well, and here's the thing. <laughs> I've, I'm have i one of those fans that, I mean, I've always enjoyed Rebels, but I was never as, you know, invested in it as I was with Clone Wars. Like, I've got every season of Clone Wars on Blu-ray, but even then, I wasn't buying the seasons, like, as they came out. Like, I got the season one through five box set, and then I got season six when that came out. Um, But, you know, Clone Wars, I was like, man, I just love this show so much, I've got to have it. And with Rebels, like, I mean, especially now, like, I've got the Disney XD app on my Apple TV, so I can still watch it on my TV. Um, The, in fact, actually, the... um, if you've got like an Apple TV with that app on there, or I know for like newer devices, um, they've got the Disney now app that they're switching stuff over to. They have all the episodes of rebels on there that you can watch for free. I think until like sometime in may, except for like the last two, I think you still need to sign in with like a TV subscription, um, to watch like the most recent episodes from season four. But the stuff that I was just watching earlier today, um, was all, you know, stuff from like season two and three that was just available for free to watch. So, 
Um, that's out there for people like me who don't have the Blu-rays. Um, but like I said, I mean, now that it's all over, now I kind of do want to go back and get those just so I can, uh, you know, go and rewatch everything and watch it in the highest quality possible. You will not be disappointed. That's for sure. <laughs> yeah. But, uh, yeah, man, good stuff. Um, you know, I'm glad we get to kind of reminisce back on the whole series of rebels. Um, and I can't wait to see where they go next. Um, just with yep. these characters. It felt right to do it because we did a, the same thing for, I think it was like our fifth or sixth episode of our show where we did the Clone Wars retrospective because that's when we first got the I think news that it ended. So yeah, felt natural to do it for Rebel or yeah, to do it for Rebels as well as like a nice send off. Oh yeah, absolutely. Um, so before we wrap up here, um, Tim, do we have uh, you know our usual responses from social media and all that good stuff? Um, yeah, we got a couple of responses. Uh, first up is an email that was sent to us from Joseph Golden, who let us know his top five Rebels episodes and moments. He goes, hey, guys, just wanted to chime in with some of my favorite episodes and moments from Star Wars Rebels. First, here is my top five list of my favorite episodes of the show. Um, for number one, he had Twin Sons. Number two, Twilight of the Apprentice. Number three, Fire Across the Galaxy. Number four, Trials of the Darksaber. And number five, A World Between Worlds. So cool to see that Joseph at least had his top five consisted of episodes that we each had, maybe not on one of our lists, but from our, between all three of us, he had five of his choices on there as well, which is cool. And then honorable mention, he mentioned uh, Family Reunion and Farewell, the finale. And for his top five favorite moments in the show, uh, number one for him was the epilogue from the series finale because of how it wrapped up all the character stories and set up new ones for future stories. Number two, the Obi-Wan versus Maul fight from Twin Sons because of how poetic the fight was for both characters and what it says about Obi-Wan's mindset between episodes three and four. Number three, the entirety of the episode Twilight of the Apprentice because of how much great material was packed into just under an hour from Maul's return and Kanan's blindness to Ezra's temptation and the Vader and Ahsoka fight at the end of the episode. This was one amazing hour of Star Wars storytelling. Number four, Sabine's Darksaber training from Trials of the Darksaber because of what it reveals about Sabine's character and backstory and how much she has changed and evolved since the first season of the show. And number five, the return of Ahsoka from the Fire Across the Galaxy because of how excited I was to see her return to the Star Wars universe after the season five finale of The Clone Wars. And his honorable moment mention was the entire episode of A World Between Worlds because of how it opened the Star Wars mythology to a whole new place and for the fanboy in me just freaking out over the voices from throughout the saga and Ezra, that Ahsoka and Ezra heard. Yeah, I know what you mean right there, Joseph. <laughs> Uh, these are just a few of my favorite episodes and moments throughout the Rebels TV series. This was a great show, and I can't wait to see what Dave Filoni and the crew have in store for us next. Take care, take care, guys, and may the Force be with you. And then Brian Bailey on Twitter on Twitter <laughs> just mentioned uh, two of his favorite moments of the entire series. His first one being uh, the message of hope that Ezra sent out during uh, the season one, uh, the first episode to kick off that three-part finale. And then also the Declaration of Rebellion from Season 3 where Mon Mothma gives that speech, which pretty much starts, you know, fully completes the Rebel Alliance at that moment. Which I guess was, you know, something we didn't mention, but another big moment for the series, really seeing the Rebel Alliance come together in that moment and in that episode. And, of course, we see more of it in Rogue One and know what it becomes in the original trilogy. So I uh, probably should mention that as another big moment of the series and what it brought to the Star Wars saga as a whole. And that's a great episode. That the episode where she does does a speech and and they're at are they over Dateuin? 
or Yavin. I forgot which one they were over. What planet they were? I think they were over uh, Yavin. Or no, it was Dantooine. Man, see, I don't remember now that it, you it's mentioned it. I'm almost positive, and I'm sure your listeners are yelling at us right now. I'm like, you idiot! <laughs> I'm pretty sure it's Dantooine. And if I'm wrong, call me out, and I'll admit you're right. Okay. So, but yeah, I I love that episode because that's the episode they go through the, through the nebula, yeah, through the nebula with the Y wings and stuff because Y wings are baller. So, like, you know, they're gonna. <laughs> So like, we're gonna I'm calling you out, Paul. If you love Y Wings so much, about? get in one and fly with me on Battlefront 2. <laughs> uh, 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 I got called out for sure. No, but if you're gonna fly, and st- if I'm gonna fly, or they're gonna fly, they're like, we're gonna ride these stupid X Wings. These are dumb. Let's go ride in the, the instant Cadillac, the Star <laughs> what is the Galaxy's Cadillac, the Y Wing, for, for God's sakes. They ride these Y Wings, and then the you know the defenders come in, and they're like, "We're gonna bite, we're gonna destroy you." They're like, no, we got Y Wings, yo. And they go, "Oh shit," you know. And they yeah, they do their thing. It's fun. <laughs> so, have, as just, slow as slow can be when it comes to Star Wars. <laughs> hey, you know what? Slow and steady wins the race, Tim. <laughs> on, Unless man. you're making a trench run. <laughs> oh, shots fired. <laughs> <laughs> well, we're we'll looking for a new host. See you guys later. <laughs> <laughs> But well, it lasted. But that's it for the responses. So thank you, Brian and Joseph, for sharing your thoughts on their favorite favorite Rebels moments. And glad that most of them were consistent to what we picked. And <laughs> knowing that those episodes in our list were just truly, truly great ones. Yeah, definitely. Thank you guys for reaching out to us. Um, thank you to all of you for tuning in. And thank you to Paul for joining us. Um, it's always good having you on here with us. And we look forward to having you on a lot more in the future. Yeah, I hope uh, I hope it works out, you know, as long as time permits. I am doing a bunch of podcasts lately. So, but I'm, I, with you guys, it's like, you know, whatever. It's like we're just hanging out. So it's not like it's a huge time commitment. But I did go upstairs for a quick second. And, and my wife said, are you guys still on a podcast? I went, yep. It's like, you've been on for like over two hours. I'm like, welcome to the stock and continue. <laughs> <laughs> you know it. Especially when we're talking about an entire TV series. Oh, my Lord. Ugh. I mean, we can try to keep some of these episodes shorter in the future, especially if we're going to get more regular. Like if the news is slow or something, we might just have some one-off discussion episodes or, you know, yeah. something like that. I mean, and those would be fun to do too, but you know, not everyone's going to be like three hours, but, uh, well, you know what, you know what she said? Who listens to them? <laughs> <laughs> I said, Hey, they do pretty well for themselves, Morgan. I had to like, I had to whip her into shape there for a minute. I had to be all manly about it. Like, you, 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 know. <laughs> <laughs> you know, no, I just thought it was funny. She's like, you know, cause she, my wife does a podcast. She does like a very dark, uh, centered podcast podcast called my dark hour sorry i'm gonna plug my wife's podcast okay is that all right guys I uh, for it. well you already um, did it, so that's fine well i know but you can edit <laughs> it out i guess you don't have to um but no it's a it's a podcast um about like dark things like killing and, and murderers and things like that she's a big true crime addict so that's that's what that's what it's about basically um but anyway um she you know podcasts and they do like about an hour and she's just like Oh, it's too long or too this. And I'm just like me, I, I've been podcasting for a while. And I told her, I said, you know what? The episodes need to be as long as it need to be. And for me, I have, I, I personally don't care about long podcasts. So, you know, and one of the things I love about your guys' show and being on the, you know, which is kind of sucks. I'm on the show, you know, a little bit more now. So I don't get the benefit of, of having like something to drive home to, you know, 
Like, and now I, <laughs> I, I have like these long podcasts. I love the, for the long commutes. And then like now when I'm on the show, I'm not going to listen to myself. So I pretty much got, you know, I've, I've lost out on a commute, a commute listen. So I got to find another podcast. Thanks to you jokers. Yeah, that's so. okay. The episodes that you're not on, will make sure they're long. Uh, fair enough. Fair enough. <laughs> but yeah, no, I mean, we have a blast doing this and, um, you know, you're not the only person that has told us that they enjoy listening to our long episodes. So, I mean, there have been times when I've wondered, like, man, are we crazy to be recording like a three or four hour long podcast? But people seem to enjoy it and at the very least be amused just when they see the length of it. Um, and we, man, the reactions we got from people to like our six hour Last Jedi review episode, <laughs> um, that was worth it just for the Twitter reactions alone. So, yeah, know, <laughs> like if people weren't listening to this and we got a bunch of people just telling us we were crazy, we'd probably switch it up a bit. But but, you know, if you guys keep listening and keep enjoying this, we'll keep throwing three-hour episodes at you. Um, but anyway, that's going to do it for us. Um, thank you again, guys, for tuning in. And as always, you can find us online at uh, Star Wars The Saga Continues on Twitter, uh, Facebook.com slash Star Wars The Saga Continues. Uh, you can send us email at Star Wars TSC at gmail.com. And uh, you can... Um, Check out our website at StarWarsTSC.com. Um, and also be sure to check out ThunderQuack.com for all the awesome podcasts in the ThunderQuack Podcast Network. Um, we will be back, like I said, next week, most likely, with uh, some talk about The Last Jedi Blu-ray and all that good stuff. So we'll keep the uh, the content coming for you guys. And hopefully we can have Paul back for that one, too. Because um, I don't know that we've really talked to you on here about your thoughts on The Last Jedi. So that should be fun. Um, oh boy. how much time you got <laughs> ready lot. for another six hour discussion <laughs> well i don't know about that <laughs> little secret that we'll let you guys in on in case people hadn't figured it out we split that over two days and i just edited it together into one kind of seamless recording we did not have one six hour sit down session although we certainly could have it's just we almost like did. yeah like no we <laughs> if we if we had recorded on like a, a sunday afternoon we totally could have gone six hours yeah. um, it was like but, midnight yeah we were recording we week- <laughs> yeah we were recording at weekday nights i gotta get up pretty early for work and you know try to go to bed at a reasonable time so i like my my eyelids were getting heavy and i was like tim i just can't keep going um so we had to we were like one barely half. halfway in the movie <laughs> oh yeah i know right and i was like man if we could if we could wrap this up in like an hour or so then you know we just finish it tonight but no that, for the yeah, record, we were like halfway that was- through the movie at that point that response, like that, that six hour episode, I thought was so ridiculous. I was like, you guys, this is over the top. This is ridiculous. And I couldn't believe how seamless you guys made it. Cause I'm like, man, this is actually like really impressive. Cause I had no idea when you guys did the edit. So it was like, you guys did a perfect job of making it seem like a six hour analysis of The Last Jedi, which I broke up into car rides home during battlefront it lasted me a whole week i think so i I thought it was beautiful so you know i great work great work as always my friends well thank you thank you yeah so we're happy to provide you know giant meals that you guys can digest in bite-sized chunks whenever you got the free time so um but anyway that's going to do it for us thanks again for tuning in we will see you guys next time and may the force be with you see you next time everybody